0: I can't believe it. Is this is this one of the true runes attached to me? But, wait,
1: what's it do?
2: Oh, you got one of the tru- I don't like talking about. The ink rune is wonderful for writers and people who like squid, but not much else.
3: Wait, hey, what about my true rune? I found it in a cave really deep underground. That must make
1: you valuable, right?
2: I'll get this one, not. Wouldn't want to make you work too hard. The reason you found that in the cave is because- it's the rodent rune, and if you keep it, you'll turn into one.
4: Yeah, what about my rune, huh? Come on, if they get cruddy runes like those, mine has to be awesome.
2: You! You have the money-burning rune, and you work for Konami. No wonder I have to save this after you, after you got through with the company.
1: Mom, are you okay? Mom!
0: Come with me if you want to live.
4: theorizing that one could travel within their own lifetime, two old RPG gamer staff members stepped into the RPG Backtrack time accelerator and vanished. They woke to find themselves trapped in the past, playing and talking about computer and console RPGs from the 80s right up to yesteryear, driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. Their only guides on this journey are other staff and players from RPGamer.com who they meet to help record podcasts that only their audience can listen and hear. And so, Phil and Mike find themselves leaping from game to game, striving to put right gaming backlogs gone wrong, and hoping each time that their next recording will be the one that leads them home. Welcome to the RPG Backtrack. Here are your hosts, Phil Willis and Mike Minky And welcome to RPG Backtrack, your favorite show where we talk about your favorite console and computer RPGs from the way back then right up through yesteryear. And what number is this? no, 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 no. Oh. No no no, 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 I
3: jumped the gun. You I'm did. sorry.
4: You did absolutely. I, I
3: ruined Phil's entire shtick, everybody. Thank
4: you, because, because like I don't even get to talk a lot this show, so I, I I have so precious few things to look forward to as far as my participation goes, and you've just dashed it against the rocks. Thank you. That would be the it's gun. What I'm good at. That would be our gun jumping host, Mr. Mike Minky.
3: Uh. Well, after an introduction like that, how can I improve?
4: And I am Phil Willis. And we are going to be doing show number 123 today, Konami's Trail of Tears. Where we're going to be talking about So we could in 5, and So we could in What is this? Tiramisu? So we could in Tiramisu. I like that. Tear tree? Okay. Tiramisu? Yeah. Okay, good call. I'd take credit for that one, but that was actually Minky's idea. Uh, and that.
3: Even though. T- even though t- here, is a german word and tiramisu is not
4: that third voice that you heard jump in there is one half of a pair of guests that we have to help us talk about these games that we cannot pronounce mr nathan Schlothen and as usual you can't pronounce my name either but that's okay
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> and lurking Good. in the background waiting for her name to be slaughtered is the one the only sam marshmallow you know
2: when i changed my last name going to have a lot of fun with that, aren't you? I
4: know. I'm all giddy. I get to think of new ways to slaughter.
2: Well, mm. for a couple more episodes, I think you still get to call me Marshmallow.
4: Hey. After that,
2: it's, it's, it's anybody's ballgame.
4: Yep. It's all up in the air. Who knows what we'll call you. We may just call you Hey You.
2: I am totally fine with that. But then again, you already knew that.
4: Hmm. Okie dokie. Well, We're going to take a quick break and we're going to jump right. We're going to just dive into this weekend in game. So hold on tight. Ready to hit the road with Suikoden 5. Suikoden 5 was developed by Konami and Hudson Soft, published by Konami. This was released in North America on March 21st, 2006, for the PlayStation 2 home entertainment console. This is a single player RPG experience. Coming to you on one DVD round.
1: Woohoo! Woohoo!
3: And apparently it was released within one week of Kingdom Hearts 2, which may account for its lackluster sales.
2: <laughs> well, i face it, this series, unfortunately, always released and had bad timing with the yeah. days in it. I mean, yeah. there's a reason why not everybody bought Sweet Coden 2 when it came out, peeps.
0: Yeah, well, at least this game is more coherent than Kingdom Hearts 2, which is a plus.
2: Let us not speak of Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, that, that was only instrumental as a reason there is no sweet code in six. Let's let let's leave it for that. That's yeah. what I'm going
2: to blame on no sweet code in six. <sighs> one day, one day I will just write my own version of sweet code in six and it'll be <laughs> beautiful.
3: Yeah, you probably I'll have to me. at this point.
2: Um, it's okay. It'll start Sazerai. Just because. And Albert will come back for some reason. <laughs> Albert was my favorite. I'm not going to lie. He was a total tool.
3: Well, all right. Phil usually spurs us on to talk about the plot, but, you know, there's a lot of story in Code in 5. Who wants a to lot. start?
0: Okay, mm-hmm. I guess I will. I, I, I like talking about stories, so I guess I will. Though, I must warn you, there's a lot of story in this game, so I might be skimming over a lot of these little details I can hardly remember. So.
2: It's all good.
0: You are basically. This starts with the story of you. You are the prince. You can name your character, but all the voice can just refers to you as prince, or the prince, or hey prince. So you are prince. The prince of the kingdom of Felena, which is, well... A matriarchy. <laughs> a matriarchy, yes. Yes, you are the prince, but you are not the crown prince, no, because men do not inherit the throne in this game, in this kingdom. It's entirely passed down from mother to daughter, and that's how it works. And your mom is
2: super kick-ass in this game.
0: Yeah, this is... Well, okay. The prince has kind of an awesome family. Uh, there's... No other way to put it.
2: Well, let's like, face it, Farid's you know useless and lovable. I mean, I guess that's what happens when you're you're king of a queendom. You just kind of <laughs> get to hang out, maybe have lots of sexy time I with don't know. really hot, and you know you get on with it. You're you're okay with being useless. <laughs> I heard
3: someone say that Farid was really really good 16 years ago when he won Arshad's hand, but you know he looks per- he looks damn good now. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty oh, sure yeah. if he had a chance to do anything in this game, he would prove himself very worthy.
1: Oh, uh, I, mean, I don't disagree
0: Farid yeah, is kind of the thing that King Farid or not? Well, the Queen's consort Farid or here's Father Farid, Captain it's, of the Queen's Knights. Yes, that's a good uh, Captain of the Queen's Knights. Farid is. Uh, you know, we don't see him do a lot, but he's just generally awesome in everything he does. Completely, he's
2: adorable. Dep- like he is, he is totally whipped. And that's kind of what <laughs> makes him adorable, because you know his wife could go on and be like, "I am making a royal decision." He's just like, "Yes, dear, <laughs> whatever Never you say, dear." Here. He's <laughs> also very
0: diplomatic and capable, and you know, good father and all kinds of other things. So,
2: yeah,
3: yeah, and really, if you are the the husband of the queen in a matriarchy, it's probably for the best that you stay that you accept your status and not try for anything more. Otherwise, you're just going to end up hurting yourself. <laughs>
2: Not just that. I mean, his wife could burn him to a crisp with her sun rune, let's face it.
0: Yeah, well, okay, she, he's the main thing preventing her from burning anything with a sun rune, because that's the plot point. You see, yep. due to political reasons, the queen took on the power of the sun rune, one of the 27 true runes that are occurring throughout the series. It is ridiculously powerful and befitting something called a sun rune. It's, well, basically, the rune itself seems utterly full of itself and drives whoever wields it to become this horribly arrogant and completely tyrannical being. Now Queen Arstadt, the hero's mother, is, you know, all around a very gentle, kind, considerate person and a great ruler who is having the slight problem as he has these terrible bouts of I guess megalomania driven by the rune's influence. And the slight problem with the megalomania driven by the rune's influence it leads to well it People leads dying. to nuclear annihilation of various locations. Because, you know, <laughs> yes. that's the power of the sun rune nuclear The Sun Rune
2: just goes, woo! Exploded you, you're done.
3: And there is the lovely legend of thousands of years prior, before even the Sindar were here. The Sun Rune used its full power and uh, blasted this entire continent to a cinder, eliminating all life on it. Yeah! Which, which, you know, is far enough back that it's hard to prove, but given what we know about the Sun Rune, it doesn't seem unlikely.
0: Yeah, I mean, the first thing we see of its effects is, you know, the very opening part of the game is the characters are off to a place called Lord Lake, which is well, where the only place is struck by the power of the Sun Rune, and all of its trees are withered and dead, everything is destroyed, and the entire lake it's named after is gone. It's completely vaporized.
3: Though, admittedly, that lake does replenish when you eliminate the pesky dam that is blocking water flow.
0: Yeah, the dam is blocking the water flow, but it's kind of implied that the water itself was completely gone in the first place when the, it, just, wasn't it, it didn't just yeah. be refilled. Still, yeah, it's in a bad state.
3: Caught in the political machinations of the two leading families of Felena.
0: Yeah, basically for the longest time, the power in Felena is basically bounced between two different families: the Barrows and the Godwings. And yeah, basically up until the reign of Queen Arstotz, they basically held all the political power. But thanks to you know badass. Captain the Queen's Knights Ferret, they've actually managed to reasserted well, some of its own power or away from them. Who, who but is, there's still something I, fairly powerful.
2: A He's a foreigner! And, and, can I, and can I throw it out there, the Godwins were some of the lamest characters in that freaking game? Oh, my yeah, God. Just get to that? Just, they yeah. were so lame, and that... You know, it's funny, like, when we talk about the story, because you get a sense, like, oh, they're a big freaking deal. And it's like, I don't know how many times I was just like, Giselle, go home, you're boring. Stop pretending you can do stuff. Go away. And his dad was just like, "I'm a I'm a grumpy crazy person." And it's like, "Oh, this is so boring." They, they their plotline was so boring to me.
0: Okay. Honestly, yeah, I thought their plot Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I'm introducing her before there. You complain about-
2: No. <laughs> let, let, no. I will Let's talk. Meet, let's meet Princess Lim first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hated okay, her yeah, too. Uh, <laughs>
0: Well, anyways. <laughs> What, just because this Lim is, is, is
2: clearly only
3: voiced ever. by a woman who is not a child?
2: No, because Lim is irritating as shit. Wine, wine, cry, cry, punch. That's all she does. And you know what? what I'm she... wine, wine, cry, cry, punch. She's 89, that's his oldest Oh, as I as have possibly. to marry Giselle! Oh my god, why don't you just stomp Giselle's feet, punch him, and leave. That would clearly show how useful you are. Ugh did not like her characterization. Then again, other than Farad and Arshdat, I kind of didn't like a lot of the characters in this game. Just throwing it out there. Let's continue!
0: Okay. (laughs) Well, anyways.
2: I have a hard time sympathizing for Lim, okay? (laughs) I'll shut up now.
3: I remember being a child. I wasn't that confident in myself. Okay, anyways.
0: Getting back to it. Lim is the younger sister of the prince, the main hero. And you're uh, well, either she she's the based on a conversation choice in the very beginning of the game. Either she's the adorable sister he's doted on his whole life, or he's the she's the kind of bratty sister he he's neglected his entire life. It's actually completely set up based off of one conversation choice. It's kind of interesting little thing. And
2: I played neglectful, by the way. <laughs> Maybe that's why I had a problem with her.
0: Maybe I mean she's. You know, they're very loving siblings, if you pick for that. They've actually been toting on her the whole life, but... Um, basically, she's, you know, really young, but at the same time, the whole political situation starts off with, you know, she's... They're gonna holding a giant grand tournament, a tradition of the kingdom, well, queendom, for the sake of determining who is to be her, well, fiancé. The person will one day become the captain of the Queen's Knights when she becomes ruler. And, you know, and naturally, a lot of
3: people are... Well, this tournament can be participated in by people who fight by proxy.
0: Yes. Yep. Typically, it's, traditionally, it's been always won by Godwin or Barrows, who, they never fight themselves, always send in some powerful representative to fight on their behalf, and... Usually a slave. Anyways, they... Well, yeah, so basically, it starts off with, everyone's off the tournament, and we're just being held in the Godwin's territory, and there's a... Well, basically, the first chunk of this game takes quite a while, actually, as you meet, go around, you set up, meet various political figures. There's, you know, the current leader of the House of Barrows and his incredibly obnoxious son, who's just kind of oh, gross he's to adorable. Watch,
2: he's adorable and stupid. Oh my God, I like his sister better. Yeah, an idiot.
0: And, Yeah, Urim Barrows is. Uh, incredibly obnoxious. He's
2: but. he is basically the narcissist of the game, maybe outside yeah. of Giselle, but Giselle's a different kind of narcissist, and we'll and we'll get to that. Um, yeah, but and, you know the Godwins win. That's the thing. This is why I'm saying uh, Giselle's kind of a boring character because he wins with ease, whoopity flip. Well, new. they also
3: they also win the sacred games thanks to uh, cheating.
2: Well, well yeah, yeah, that's Eventually, what I mean boring. <sighs>
0: and then later... The... the plot parts. We don't seem to want to talk about it here. So, am I wasting my time?
2: Okay. Keep going.
0: Okay. Well, anyways, I'll just rush through the rest. There's a lot to get through since we just started, but... Yeah, basically, Godwin's kind of cheat by disqualifying the Uh, Barrow's competitor under false things and then Eason also there's the whole thing of this other guy who's kind of a neutral party who has a chance of winning but he's convinced to not really participate because of various small shenanigans it's actually all kinds of interesting but also you know all just the part of the game you don't see these characters again until the very end so after all of this it's decided that Gazelle Godwin who is well he dresses like a Nazi or something or at least maybe an early modern military guy who how about a fashion? This game is all kinds of weird. <laughs> eric you got the very distinct style of the royal family, and the Barrows and Godwin have their own very European look, and everyone else has their own thing. I'm rambling. Uh, so yeah, Godwins and Barrow. The Godwins win. Things are a bit unstable. Uh, everyone gets back. They're a bit unhappy about the wedding. We try to do something, but you know nothing much happens up until assassins attack the castle. So yeah, it'll just, out of nowhere, assassins smashing their way into the castle, and the hero is kind of, desperately has to escape alongside some of the Queen's Knights, who are awesome characters, by the way. And... Oh, and his aunt. Hmm? What did you say?
3: And his aunt. Aunt Psyleids.
0: Yeah, and Psyleids, yes. I kind of forgot her, but there's Psyleids, who is, you know, a constant companion, who is actually the hero's aunt, the younger sister of Queen Arstadt, who she's basically incredibly lazy and kind of self-centered, but also kind of a good aunt. She's a nice aunt for the characters, even though she doesn't hate being called that. And She's part of the fun banter around the Queen Knights, so I just like the interactions of those characters. Particularly since, you know, they've got George Prime on their side, the most badass character in the whole series. And this is him and his it's most useful true. He, he makes
3: things dead quickly.
0: <laughs> he does. He's just ridiculously overpowered, and he's part of your team from the very beginning of these early chapters. However, they're forced to flee nonetheless by assassins, because they're pretty hardcore assassins, generally, and afterwards, you hear that during the assassination attempts, the hero's parents have died. And, you know, they're really awesome, so this is really sad. But it also leaves the slight problem that, you know, now there's a civil war growing, because as... the Goblins are basically behind the assassination attempts, and so the, main, the, the Prince and Heaven flee to the. Well, basically, the only help they can get, which is the Barrows, so the Goblins' rival, and they get ready to go to war. But the slight thing is that the Barrows aren't really good people themselves. They...
3: No, it, it was very much a case of well, we have nowhere else to turn, so we'll just have to hope that the Barrows turn out to be not as bad as we think they could be.
0: Yeah, which you know, that's a slight brights the upside that the the daughter of the Barrows family, Lou Serena, is actually a really kind of nice person and really helpful and does a lot to help everyone out. Uh, but you know, you go around doing all kinds of things to recruit allies to help them out, and such. But in the end, uh, the leader of the Barrows family, kind of in, in the night, approaches the prince, offering him a. A suggestion that, oh, hey, why don't you marry my daughter and become king? Overthrowing the Godwins and basically destroying the entire system of the Kingdom of Flana. And you could actually agree to this and this will get you a bad ending. Kind of neat, but...
3: And this is right before you learn that he is actually in league with a foreign power.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's in league with a foreign power and also you stumble across this dirty little secret that he kind of, sort of, was actually behind the original Theft of the Dawn Rune, one of the two special runes that are paired with the Sun Rune, and and the entire reason Arshtot... the destruction of Lord's Lake.
3: And it's the entire reason Arshtot grabbed the Sun Rune in the first place, because the Dawn Rune went missing.
0: Yeah, so basically, they're behind, you know, the entire chain of event tragedies which led to this mess, so, you know, and they're pretty scummy about it. And Moses goes down to Euron as being incompetent. Yes, uh, so they say, you know what, forget you, we're not siding with barrows anymore, and the prince goes off to basically form his own faction, which leads to the basic core of the, you know, second experience of you get a castle and you start recruiting everyone and meeting people, and you're fighting military battles to defeat your, your opponents and slowly, you know, save the whole queendom, which goes through a lot of phases. It does save the people who... Yeah, you need to. Meet the river people who live on boats and recruit their help. So you can fight naval battles against the opponents, and then you meet. You go down to help the people of Lord's Lake and break the dam, holding them hostage and get their help. And then you meet clans of beavers and recruit them. The dragon cavalry and recruit them. And the dwarves all around. And the dwarves, yeah, I can't kind of forget the dwarves. Oh, and, and the, the godwins
3: dwarves. attempt to kill off the beavers and the dwarves, be- which I don't think is actually genocide. Although somebody calls it that in the game because. That's more extinction than genocide. But yeah, maybe still I don't basic. know. It's it's well still incredibly bloodthirsty and just and horrible.
0: Yeah, there's this kind of basic thing that you know the Godwins are kind of an odd villain because they're always doing the worst possible to choice. They're always gonna go they always go for the most thing that'll make them the most unpopular and it's kind of an odd thing that the basic subtext behind this game is the godwins are trying to lose. They, I don't Which know comes why. across kind
2: of idiotic. It it, it is one of the ones Yeah.
0: I'll just say it, the Godwins are actually the worst villains in the series. They're they're they, really... are.
2: they They make Cray look like a saint, and Cray was a stupid villain. <laughs> Throwing it out there. This is why this was actually one of my biggest issues with Sweet Code in five is that the Godwins, they're as as villains, they're they're pretty stupid for the most part because a lot of their motives don't make a lot of sense, and even as you go through the game, you kind of sit there and go, well, what's the point of doing that? And yeah. I found that really frustrating, because when you play the other the other games, especially 1 through 3, a lot of the villains have a very clear motive, you understand exactly where they're coming from, where they're going, um, and Giselle is just, like, he and his father, they're just like, eh, we just, we're setting ourselves up to be unpopular for no reason other than, we just want to think- look like we're powerful, I think his and father was actually dumb. the main
3: villain, but you see so little of him in the game that you really can't judge what the hell well, he was trying to do.
2: And and that's the other yeah. problematic part is you you don't really know what he's trying to do. And then you have Giselle sort of set up to be kind of like the other the other foil. And Giselle's plot point is just essentially, I'm marrying Lim and eventually I will be a part of this family. And Giselle's just not interesting, like as part of the problem. Like he comes across just very blank slated very dull which it's is why and this is the thing it's, this is where I have a little bit of sympathy for Lim because she's going to be forced to marry this really boring guy who's got nothing going for him other than whoop-dee-doo I'm rich I mean if, if she would have been better off marrying Urim truthfully which is not saying that that's much better <laughs> but it, it's funny but the, the motivation of the villains in this game is it's easily one of the weakest parts of this game And What do you know know about Giselle?
3: You you know that he likes to do... He likes to move in behind the scenes and do lots of trickery. That's supposed to be
2: half Uh, of his... It's not just that, he's kind of a sheep, which is even funnier in a lot of cases. He does basically what his dad tells him to do. And and that, that sort of is problematic to making him out to be something bigger than he is. I mean, you look at Luca Blight, and let's face it, you can't pop Luca... Luca just did what he wanted and basically told his father to suck it every time his father opened his mouth. Here we have the reversal where the father's basically like, you're just going to do what I say and you're going to be okay with it. And even though Giselle's behind the scenes pulling some strings and whatnot, have this same sort of organic feel to it. This feels really forced and kind of contrived and to be honest, like I just found that part of the plot just not engaging or interesting in the slightest. Even though there's other parts of this game that are absolutely fantastically done.
0: Anyways, I'll kind of continue this by saying there's a slight other problem. is that, you know, not only is the villains kind of weak, it sometimes feels like the main characters are almost a little too effective because there's a certain part where the characters never suffer a single setback. In the entire course of this game, the main characters don't lose once they actually get their army going. There's an entire point, a chapter of the game where, you know, the enemy is for the Godwins have forged an alliance with the people of Armis, which you know makes no sense based on the motivations of the Godwins to fight against Armis in the long run. But they, and so well, you get you know, some kind the of Armis motivation dates, that,
3: you're sp- that they were going to use the sun rune once they unlocked its power and knock Armis right back out of the country or something. But but you know what? Yeah,
2: they- I completely agree with Nathan. It it, it really doesn't make sense.
3: <laughs> yeah, it- I'm giving you the all of the I justification mean- that the game gave me.
2: Oh, I, I know. It's just, again, yeah. the game is really terrible at justifying itself.
0: Well, okay. So, anyways, the problem with that is that, you know, even if the armies invades and you can, aid and uh, supposedly beating your entire army, it's all according to plan, according to your tactician, who, you know, just predicts everything that the move the enemy makes entirely. This isn't quite like Swicken 2 or 3, where you've got an extremely adept enemy tactician kind of matching with your own. No, your tactician's the best, and this is not disputed one bit in the entire length of the game. Just listen to what she says every time, and you win. And that's it.
2: And, and again, the question This kind pushes the, of pushes some of the
0: flaws of Swicken system a bit kind of to the breaking point. It's because you know normally there's a slight problem that, you know, it always feels like you're just always winning in these games. Even Swicken 2 suffers from this a bit, and... Oh. This you one, know
1: what, though? And
2: Nathan, I don't, I don't disagree with you at all. This, I think this is where... Like, I openly admit, I, I am not huge on 3-Code in 5. Uh, mostly for a lot of the reasons you've actually touched upon. And one of the biggest issues with this game really does come from the fact that everybody is so damn perfect. And Lucretia is the best example of it. You cannot lose. Because she just predicts the answer. She knows everything. And it's, it's very Mary Sue... And it's very frustrating, because you're right, when you play in 2, you had Leon to match with. You know, you played in 1. Um, all the tacticians had motive, but they were still very human in nature. I don't find Lucretia very um, human in any way. Like, yeah, she, she just, just... she's very robotic. Um, and then it doesn't help that she's got her two little idiots beside her who are just, yes yeah. and, and I, I could not stand them. They drove me absolutely crazy. But... There is a weird feeling in this game that a lot of the characters don't have like, a flaw, which I think is, is the frustrating part. I mean, other than Farid and Arshtat, I think they get some of the best characterization in the game.
0: Yeah, uh, the immediate royal family has a lot of the best characterization. I think Absolutely. And I think that so sort the of my problem is perhaps the Queen's Knights themselves. I like them as characters because they're fun and have a lot of fun dialogue, but there's a simple yeah. thing that they break too cleanly in half between the two who are obsessed with Godwin and everyone else is completely loyal to the royal family.
2: Well and that's and... just it. They are they're fun characters, but they have no flaws. Again, yeah, it's the I problem. Uh, the criticism.
1: They're they're
2: they're kind of perfect. Especially Kyle. Like Kyle is a complete ladies man, but he doesn't really have any flaws. It's just like, he's quirky and he likes ladies. Leon is, I, mean, thing, I am so obsessed with the prince, oh my god. And I mean, think the like so
1: Kyle, obsessed.
0: thing about Kyle is that early in the game they tell you, oh, you're a bot man who's basically owned by the Barrows. And, yeah. you know, people say this, but at no point in the game does he actually do anything to support the Barrows.
2: Well, which and is... the other thing is, that could have been an interesting point they could have taken further with him because he's a bot man. You know, but he never like, they don't do anything with it. And that actually would have been a cool plot point to like, kind of uncover a bit about. They don't mm-hmm. go anywhere with it. There's too the only many- thing he
3: does is go back to his, homeland, his hometown of Lelkar and show you that, yes, he is so notorious for womanizing that everyone recognizes him when you are supposed to be going incognito.
2: Boring. <laughs> like, I want... My biggest thing with this game is there's a lot to actually like about it. Um, like, there's a lot of really good story ideas. I think my frustration really comes from the fact that, like, 4, um, they don't follow through on all of it. Um, yeah, you know, just... when Arshad and, and Farad die, oh my god, yes, my heartstrings. My heartstrings win, because, you know, they're fabulous characters, and their death scene is done really beautifully.
3: Oh, and that death scene does yeah. not come until much later in the game. Yeah, when I mean, you, you know hear know that the the they die how they long die. before you see it.
2: You know, and, um, when you have a character like Silead, when you get to Silead's plot points, like, again, those are fantastically done. But, you know, when you're just doing, like, the, oh my god, let's go to Raffleed, or oh my god, let's go here, the game kind of stalls for me, personally. Like, I found it really, really slow going. Like, slower than four. And four is pretty damn slow. Like, the hook is just not there in the same way.
0: Yeah, I think the kind of thing about this game is that, in a way, it it's great strength when it's not doing stuff that's typical for the switched formula. But when exactly. it's sequenced formula it's you know, that suffers. Which kinda of the problem that the Swicken series is burdened by that formula more than it's strengthened by it sometimes. So the whole I oh the army fight the enemy army and such.
2: And and that's the thing is you almost wish in a lot of cases that they went out of their way to tie a lot of the, the loose ends instead of just being like, and then this happened. I think the the best part of the game really comes from the ending. Because you get all the payoff of that long slog, and the end—the end of that game—is pretty fantastic. It's just a shame that it just uh, takes so long to get there.
0: Okay, the ending is. I think... The ending's not I mean, perfect.
2: It's... I could tolerate it. Was better than four's ending. Come on. Okay, okay well, I think I that's
0: not saying much, Sam.
2: <laughs> I know. I'm just, I'm just saying. Okay. I don't think the, the the was of, uh,
0: okay. Basically, the ending of this game involves. For me, this is the ending. The first time I beat this game, I saw the ending. I absolutely could not accept that ending, so I replayed the entire game to get the better ending because I just didn't <laughs> like the non-perfect ending.
2: I got because... the perfect ending on my first try, so I think that's why I didn't replay it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yes,
2: which is okay. why I'm saying it. I like the ending because that's the only okay, ending let... I
1: know. Here, let, let, let me
3: let me go through the ending real fast. You go up through and some ancient Sindar ruins. To but fight Marcel Godwin, who okay, has before somehow... Before we talk
0: about the ending, though, there's one thing. We need to explain the character of Leon, who is... Yes,
1: that's basically,
0: really important. You're ma- Leon is basically your main companion throughout the entire game. She's the bodyguard to the prince, and basically one of the most important characters in just for every cutscene in the game. She's more she's or less the, most... the main character.
2: And she's the most irritating thing in the world. I'm sorry, she drove me bonkers.
0: I liked her.
3: And, until she gets be- injured uh, and... almost to the point of death with that
2: and medication. that's when I liked her.
3: <laughs> and then she de- sure. And then because she is stuck in a hospital bed, barely alive, she leaves your party for a while and you get Miyakis for a while.
2: Um I liked her better. <laughs> I
0: Maybe mean, she's the I, I, I bodyguard to so... the uh, princess who she yeah. can't kind of parted from the princess early on so she's just kind of his ally instead.
3: Yeah, well, well once Lim is elevated to queen in the eyes of some, then she doesn't need it. Miyakis as her bodyguard anymore because she's got everybody in the Queen's Knights as her bodyguard technically. Yep. So Miyakis shoved off somewhere else
2: You know, to where you can duel I, her
3: and beat the crap out of her and have her join you.
2: I I My thing with Leon is is just her obsessive behavior I think is what drove me crazy in the game. Everything is, oh my god, the prince! The prince! Oh my god! Oh my god! My god the prince can't wipe his own bum! Oh my god! The prince can't do this! And it's it drove me absolutely crazy because it's like, yes, I get he's a prince, and oh my god, he's a prince and can't do stuff for himself. Except for the part where the game is totally like, yes, the prince can actually do stuff for himself. I and think
0: I think that that's that's I Leon's that... own personality and flaw more than a statement of the prince himself. It she's actually one of the more interesting characters because of her backstory. You know, she's actually a murderous assassin, trained as oh, a murderous I, assassin, who is saved I, by fairy and such.
2: See, I, I don't have a problem with her backstory. I actually thought her backstory was interesting but her characterization is absolutely horrendous. I okay? Understand. I love the whole assassination thing. I thought that was fabulous. The whole, oh my god, the prince can't wipe his own bum drove me up. Abs- ballistic. Because it's like, that is not characterizing. That is obsessive. That is psycho. Maybe I just don't like women who act like psychos. I don't know. But then again, I like Silead, so, and she's a psycho. So I could be, you know, just completely out of my mind. I mean, I respect people who like Leon, because I I understand the appeal and it's weird because a lot of women I talk to absolutely hate Leone but every man I've talked to absolutely loves her. It, it's like playing Dragon Age 2 every man loves him well, but most women can't stand her you know. I don't know what it is I liked Mia Keys better but that's because Mia was kind of sassy and quirky. Well,
0: Mia is good but
2: uh, I'm just saying. Personal preference in this case.
0: Okay. I mean when
2: in doubt it's all about Kyle
0: so. <laughs> I actually found Kyle to be pretty boring but...
2: It's all about George really George really is the best the Yeah he, this is
0: you know, his best like, game let, let's, all...
2: let's just throw it out there No contest of all the knights George is the best George has Crap, the best yeah. characterization, best story Best everything All the other of the characters <laughs> exactly. Maybe, maybe
3: that's why you don't see a whole lot of him He's usually off running errands
0: Yeah he's usually too busy doing other stuff To actually help you but you know, He's still incredibly badass
2: and you know what? When you got to use him, you used him. Yeah. <laughs> I know he never left my party when I when I was allowed to use him, so it was like screw you game. Anytime I got rid I could get rid of Leon, which was like never, I would do it
0: though.
2: <laughs> okay, the thing about Leon is
0: that at the end of the game you don't want to get rid of her it because she's that over incredibly overpowered because I actually you know. Late in the, the game, game after you know so basically there are two powerful runes in this game the dawn rune and the twilight rune for most of the game the twilight rune is used by the enemies mostly Psyleads as an opponent because she eventually goes to the enemy's side for some reason maybe to do with the fact that she used to be in love with Gazelle I don't know
2: it, yeah that, it, that's it, at the, that, the battle I where
3: Leon gets Gazelle. injured
0: yeah
2: it, it was just, I love Gazelle, um, Psyleads and oh my god I was the neglected child and she throws the neglected child card out with such ease and you just kind of look at her and it's like, yeah, you would be the neglected child. You're the wild child who probably went and had lots of sexy times with people, and everyone was just like, good for you, Sileads. Back to your sister. And you kind Although of she, she kind does of let
3: drop it. once that uh, she and Ash and Arshtat had an agreement where Sileads would never have any children in order yes. to prevent any succession crises from popping up.
2: Yes, which I thought was
0: <laughs> there's actually an incredibly bloody civil war between their mother and their aunts, so that's yeah. why they did, made the agreement, which is kind of interesting backstory for that.
2: Again, it, there's a lot of great
0: political backstory to this game. It's just some of the actual action of the game is the problem.
2: Yeah. I mean, I love Siley, and I thought her her stuff was actually really well done. I mean, and even her motives for liking Giselle as much as Giselle's a doormat, I can kind of see it. And I, again, I actually had some sympathy for her. And when she switched yeah, sides, I was like, I was like, no, you didn't, game. Oh, no, you didn't. And then when you had to fight her, I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I remember because my mom looked at me, she goes, what can't you do? I'm like, anti-Sylese was so cool. And my mom's like, it's a video game. Go kill her. <laughs> I was like, okay. So, okay,
0: well, anyways, getting back to the point that, you know, the things after you beat Sylese, her Twilight rune is passed on to Leon. and. Yep. I wish they did more of this plot-wise, because that's actually the most interesting thing they did with Leon, is what's she doing suddenly? She's put more on equal footing with the prince rather than just being his bodyguard, but they kind of mm-hmm. squandered it, which is one of my frustrations. Well, because it
2: happens way... Again, happens way too late.
0: Yeah, it does. She should have gone to the Twilight Room a lot earlier, which is kind of a problem.
2: Let's put it this way. All the best stuff that happens at the end, a lot of it could have happened sooner, and it probably would have negated some of the more filler plot that this game has, and this game has quite a bit of filler...
0: Yeah, it does uh,
2: even like even the Barrows plotline was a little, let's face it, uh, it was a little silly. But I again, guess, you yes. understood why it was there because yeah, the of Barrow the connections things... to the to the the, the three families. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that happens, you know, like halfway through the game, and that should have came earlier. Like if you look at at how the game is structured, a lot of the plot events should have really kind of shifted around a little bit, and awesome. I think that would have made a more more cohesive game. Because like I said, yeah. this game takes forever to kind of get its its crap together.
0: Yeah, this is also a game which sometimes I wonder if I should have used the Switch and 3 system of multiple perspectives to get a lot of oh it more goodness, condensed. Yes. And...
2: Okay, I'm glad someone else thought of that too, because I think this game would have benefited from that so much, because then you would have actually gotten the different perspectives from maybe the different families or um, other like characters. Knights
0: or like George's exactly. perspective or something.
2: Oh my goodness! Having George's perspective would have been fantastic. I mean, having those perspective
0: all over again.
2: Yeah, but even having someone like Silead, like having similar to the Luke plot line in three, you could have something like that, and that actually would have been kind of interesting. You know, playing yeah. her past or something. Um, it would have made for a more effective and at least a better story-driven game. Like a lot of people, it's weird praise the story of this game, and I think yeah. it's actually outside of 4, 4 is incredibly problematic. But 5 is is equally problematic, just now, because is, it's is that, just all over the place. I think and it's,
0: 5, is, there's a lot of strength to it. It's just, you know, the main plot is flawed, but I do kind of like a lot of the subplots and side stories and such.
2: But again, it's like you wish those got more highlight.
1: Perhaps, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. You know,
3: and, as long as you brought up the Barrows family, I think a little more insight into what Lucerina is thinking would have been very useful. Yeah, she's
1: definitely one of the
0: most interesting characters who wasn't done enough with.
3: Well, you talk to her all the time because she's the one who swaps out your party members, but that's all she says. Oh, you you wish to change your party members, do you? That's all she says most of the time.
2: It's really problematic because she really would have been a great character to get some insight into, and I actually think she would have been more interesting to pick than uh, Lucretia. Drupoli? Yeah, she would have. I mean, the thing
0: that Lucerne is it's kind of not stated much, but she's actually this game's version of Nanami, and the fact that she's the first with the crazy food taste, to so, like salt on oh, a yeah. cake and such. Which you like, know, She's this eccentricity that you don't really see much of in the plot, which is kind of interesting.
2: You know, I mean, and we, we talked a little bit about Lucretia being problematic. You know, it's kind of funny, when you play 4, I don't know about you guys, but I actually really liked Eleanor, and I thought the problems they had with Eleanor was that, again, they didn't give her, like, they gave her plot but her plot Let's was. almost Eleanor that she's stuck in four. So. Exactly. She's stuck in four. She's this amazing character. And her plot line was tied with Cray, and Cray's an idiot. Whereas Lucretia's plot is just, like, it's really pointless for the most part. This is You need a strategist. Okay. Here, here go get
3: this happy awesome happy lady happy. who was just awesome in the Civil War. No, not the Civil War. When Armis invaded eight years ago. Go get her. And, and what do you know? She really is that awesome.
2: And it. You know what? I just, I have this thing about characters that are absolutely perfect. It drives me ballistic. And I read a lot of young adult fiction and that happens a lot and I get really mad. Um, but that's the thing. It's like everybody in this game comes across a bit too perfect. And I think, like I said, I think that that's just really my problem with it, with the characters, anyways. But Lucerina, like, I kind of love her because she actually gives you a little bit of insight into Urim as well. You know, she understands that he's an idiot, but she actually is very sympathetic to him, which I actually really liked, because yurm yeah, is what, a really passionate character. That he yeah, was not
3: supposed to be groomed for the next male leadership. It was his brother who got killed in the Civil War by an assassin. Oh,
1: which and is- ever since then, the,
3: the brother who was most assuredly not suited for this role has been groomed by his father, Salem, who... Salem is really, really big. Let's, let's just face He's it. This guy, guy needs, to ta- needs to have a diet.
0: Also, Salem has of Taste because he built an entire village around avant-garde <laughs> art that is the most hideous thing ever created with one of the most
3: irritating theme songs ever
2: I'm yes. telling you stay up there he's Millich he's Millich Oppenheimer in another form <laughs> pretty much yeah I love that you, I mean I'm the weirdo that likes the narcissists in this series <laughs> I'm okay so, so with you it.
3: like Josephine in this game
2: oh my goodness I love Josephine okay <laughs> Josephine was nuts she my was name popular, is Josephine, and hilarious. I loved her. Oh my god! And Jean, Jean wore nothing in this game. <laughs> like, and her, her hair sudden, her hair
3: became the color of cotton candy. All of a sudden, I don't remember that.
2: I like. I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, what happened here? Jean went from having clothes in one to no clothes in five, and she's such a pervert in this game. Like more so than the other ones. Hehe. <laughs> Because she really like tries to put it out there she wants to do the prints and it's like whoa whoa lady like back it up there and you can just see like when like you have her and Leon in a conversation Leon gets so mad about it, and Jean's just like girl like I got this in the bag and, and I thought that was so funny actually but I just Jean needs to put some clothes on that would be nice 'Cause I'm sorry, but doing magic means you should at least have some clothes to protect yourself from other things. But Obviously you know... the
3: heels are enough.
2: You know what? We all then know and those, those funky bustles know. that she okay. wears. Okay. She's she's a questionable character.
0: <laughs> Before we get about to Gene, I want to mention one more thing to Yurim is that he's actually an interesting oh, character. because you know when you act, he's actually a recruitable character. He's obnoxious, he's yes. terrible, he's optionally recruitable. He actually shares a star slot with someone else who's actually related to Gene's story somehow. But yeah, you know, if you're... okay, before we recruit him, you have to there's one mandatory point
3: where you see that yes, he was trying to sully the prince's name by having a bandit who looked like the prince go around and rob people. And there are two character recruitments where you see Urim also being a complete jerk, you know, trying to su- foist off a, f- a cursed book on the prince and then
0: and it's trying to, to recruit the Maximilian Knights to murder him. Yeah. Yeah. Which is actually a kinda really cool scene in its own right, I think. I really like the knights.
2: Well, let's face it, actually just having that sort of name drop of the Max Knights was just exciting enough, as is. Like, I love them. Always have. <laughs> Max was adorable. Fred was just perfect in every way. Um, in that he was completely ridiculous. But I-, I squealed at that part. I'm not gonna lie. I was just like, oh my god, it's Knights. Maximilianites. Um, Isabelle was cool. <laughs> Isabelle was fantastic! I love her! I put her. her in my party a
3: few times, and what do you know? She killed things but good.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I, and you no. Know Actually, um, one character I really loved in this game was Oboro, um, the Oboro de- Detective Agency with uh, Shigure and Sagiri and, and Fuyo. I friggin' love that group. I just thought they were fantastic, and they're they're the they're bit a the, uh, They're not Richmond, okay? No one will ever be Richmond or Kid. I I love Kid. I think I'm the minority that liked Kid in Three, but. I like their little bit of attachment to the uh the urine plot line too. And that's how you kind of get them, so
3: I forgot to do that early on, so I had to keep going in back and asking Oboro to join repeatedly and he finally did. But if you don't do it early on, then you have a very narrow window to make sure he
1: joins you. <laughs> yeah, I, I okay, did this right away. This is
0: probably why I should mention this, but this is the most defined things game that I think of all the swoken games, this is the hardest to recruit everyone, by far. Um
2: yeah, it's there, there tough. are some
3: really narrow windows.
2: I mean I did yeah, get everybody my, in my one playthrough I did. Yeah, it took a lot of work, like, but there's
0: a lot of ways to mess it up. I mean, there's one character who's kind of a funny character in his own right. The, it's the guy who feels so wrong for the godlings of this ancient history. Edgar He just goes ballistic and he goes these giant rants. And in <laughs> order to recruit him, you have to listen to his rant. If you actually skip through his dialogue, he won't join you. Yep, because well, you want him yeah. to join you
3: because he gets you more money. Yep. <laughs> and he's in your entourage, which means that you don't have to sacrifice a combat character for him. He can just sit there and help you gain extra money. And boy, do you want it in this game.
0: Yeah, money is always good. Uh, there's a lot of. I, mean, I missed a lot of characters from my first playthrough because I just played through without, you know, a guide or anything. So, I mean, um, I think I only forward, had to was... guide
2: two people in this game. Everyone else was dumb luck, I think, on my part.
0: Yeah, there's a lot that are pretty obscure, which involves bringing this very particular character to this particular place that you might not otherwise think yeah. to do, and so forth. And there's, a you know, a lot of that in this game. And generally, almost every one of these characters has a small sub-story or a fair amount of interesting thing required to acquire, recruit them. And it's very different than, say, one or four, in which you just talk to a person and they join you, like, for half the For the most
2: part, yeah.
3: Well, yeah, the the lady, Arish, was... you mentioned, who can who you can recruit instead of Urim. Getting her requires that you have Gene, that you go to the place where you went to get Jean, which is a dungeon inside of a dungeon, and then you go with Arish into the dungeon inside of a dungeon inside of a dungeon and go down three floors and kill a boss.
2: Yeah, I didn't do that. I picked Urim.
0: Yeah, I've seen both. They're both kind of interesting for different things. But...
2: Well, Arish, is,
3: she talks elliptically of course, any friend of Jean will talk elliptically, yeah. about how she's not sure how much help she can be to you in this form and that mm-hmm. she's apparently some kind of eternal presence, which makes sense if she knows Jean and she she's dressed like she just walked out of the Arabian Desert, which is like yep. no one else dresses in all of Suikoden which probably means there was another hook that could have been used for Suikoden 6 and we'll never see it
0: Yeah, the I like the beaver at... people yeah, the I, like them better
2: than the duck, I like them better than the duck people.
0: Yeah, there's actually a lot of different hooks in this game. that They did a lot to establish an entire southern continent, which is a completely new realm for the series, which is a lot of... it was King a King western ...given use yeah. for their future games. They never got around to it. Well,
3: they you know, mentioned some country called uh, Zandel, something like that, which is where yes. Norma and Ernst are from. Norma, the, she's the cute little girl who likes to ride on Ernst, who is a tiger unless you use his rune, and then he becomes the game-breaker because his rune... You can use it to stun everything. Yeah, he's a beast. Guaranteed, every boss will fall to this rune as long as he has charges for it. That's ridiculous.
2: Can but, I throw you know, it out there cool. and, and say that the tricksters were crap in this game? I absolutely hated the tricksters in this game. I thought they were like the worst group of of characters. Like they were so idiotic. I'm like, and You're and the I tricksters. I don't. The, uh, I'm trying to remember their names. Like one girl had blonde hair. i was I'm trying to remember where they were. I just remember being really cranky with them because uh, I don't know if most people know, but my favorite characters in the Speak Oden series are the Tricksters, like Jupo and Meg, and um, I've always loved that group because I love Gadget. And when you have Gadget, he turns into a Transformer.
3: Oh, oh, you're talking about uh, Babbage, Sorensen, yeah, and Lou, Yeah, Babbage, Sorensen,
2: right? and, and Lou, and they were Awful. Awful. Yeah, yeah.
3: Well, Babbage and Sorensen, all they do is talk about Gears all the freaking time.
0: Yeah, they're elevator people, really.
2: They were just so boring compared to... And Lou
3: Lou is just hyperactive and irritating.
2: That's what I mean, like, you know, I loved Meg's plotline in 2, looking for Jupo. I loved uh, Jupo's little storyline in 1. They were actually very interesting. I liked Rita! Rita gave you Rita upon If you didn't suck at Rita upon. it was a fun game. If you sucked at Rita upon, it was awful, because she's a cheater. Um... (laughs) But I don't know why, Like I always loved those characters Like I actually cosplayed Meg years ago um, That's how much I love her But this game made me Really unhappy um, With that group of people Because like they were my favorite So, side note there, sorry about that But Trickster sucked in this game
3: uh, Different character group, the
2: Beavers Love them, they were fantastic Beavers are <laughs> broken They
3: are so broken in, in army battles, yes That beaver gnaw attack will just sink anything
2: well, let's put it this way: there's a lot of broken things about Five.
1: <laughs> if, well, if it's well, not the
2: beavers I, I have to
3: get this out the there. Beavers. The leader of the beavers, Fuala Fualu, he sounds exactly like the beaver in *Lady and the Tramp*. What's that, Sonny? Say, hey, it works well.
2: He sounds exactly uh, like that. I I don't know what it was, but this game just had so many broken things and. It made my brain hurt just a little bit. So I was like, I can cheat a lot of things. That's not normal in and What is this? I'm going to take advantage of it.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Well,
3: maybe... Oh, I'm thinking uh, of the fact talking... that no one who joins you ever has a hat, so you have to <laughs> put it on yourself. That's another no, reason you're going to want money. It's like
2: people... Um, How hard is it to buy a hat, honestly?
0: Okay, talking about other things, talking about other characters, like, you know, Cooks are kind of interesting things. This is a throwback to two, which is kind of neat, which is yes, kind of sad. And the, interesting. The, the, a girl who's the, one of the cooks, team, well, actually, I think both the cook characters, but there's the there's, are people from the Hayo subplot and in two, including the girl who's tragically killed in the backstory of the Hayo subplot. She yeah. joins in this one. Uh,
3: also, those two had freaky eyebrows. They looked like yin yang symbols, <laughs>
0: <laughs> they were a little extreme.
2: Well, and you gotta remember the um, Bernadette and her father skull they're from uh, Island, Nation. the Island Nations Island Nations and four. I yeah, like
3: she... Bernadette. Bernadette held what her own Bernie? and she was cool.
2: I actually used Bernie at the end of my game because she's she was actually a really good character to have in the end game.
3: She pretty much joins you because her father tells her some to... kind of mind game on her.
0: Yeah, the I, thing about that is that you know the game the very thing is that she's actually the thing is, they they never quite outright say, but it's very, very strongly implied is that Ferret is actually her d- direct relative. So, yeah. men of the island nations, and such. So.
3: Well, she did say that she grew up with five older brothers. Mm-hmm. Not like she named any names, but if you grow yeah. up like that, especially <laughs> okay. with the, with the dad she's got, you're going to have <laughs> yeah. an interesting family story. And her other, the other two Island Nations people you can get to join you, Yar and, uh, what's-her-face, Nellis, something like that, the lady with the very interesting hat. Yes. Nathan, you remember, th- they actually have to deal with the rune cannons. Rune cannon.
0: cannons, boy.
3: <laughs> yes. And, oh, and before this subplot even starts, somebody on the docks of the town just flat-out tells you, uh, you know, these those rune, ca- rune cannons that we've been using as our one means of keeping independent for all these decades. Uh, we actually don't have any ammo for them. We ran out years ago. I hope you don't tell anybody that. That's probably important.
2: <laughs> also, Laura is back.
3: She is. And she introduces herself by making you fight a duel.
2: Mean like
0: that. And Kelly is back. As obnoxious as ever. Always
3: noticed, is, He looks
0: cool, though. Yeah, the thing is that, you know, he always had this distinct difference, that, oh, that's just clothes from his homeland, but now you are in his homeland, and is those clothes don't make any more sense now than they did then. <laughs> <laughs>
3: no, and I actually had him in my party for a little while at the end, and he, I don't know if he automatically does this otherwise, but he does contribute a few things because he was with the Godwins when that secret Sindar ruin up in the icy mountains was excavated, so he contributes a few things there.
2: Hmm, that's actually pretty cool. I think I had him. That I mean, hmm. but
3: cool. even though it's you don't get him until pretty late, and he's kind of annoying to get, he definitely holds his own.
2: Oh, he's 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 a powerful character, like no questions asked. And Lorelai's actually a pretty good character in this game. Like she's actually worth taking the time to level up, which
3: is good because you have to take her along some of the time. Yeah, along with Spike, who is he's okay.
0: Eh. Yeah, and this game also has all the random stuff, like just a couple of elves who show up just because.
3: Um... Why not? Well, you've got you've got your great aunt Has no second cousin, I guess, Haswar, who doesn't really do anything, but she's just such a nice relative, and you know you don't have many relatives left, so you're kind of glad to have her. And she's got her elf companion Isado, who uh, I don't think it's ever explained exactly why he's so attached to her, but he is. And his elf friend Urda is really attached to trying to drag him back, and after trying them out, Isato and Erda were really good to have in my fu- in my battle party, so I don't mind that.
2: I don't think I use them.
3: Well, Erda is super fast, and she, she has that, whatever that skill is, barrage, I think, to mm-hmm. let her just Maybe hit more I- than one enemy at a time.
2: I might have used her at the beginning, and then I think I might have replaced her later on.
3: Her whole personality is, I hate humans, humans are evil, but Isato is with the humans, and I want him, so I'm going to stick around. Just cause.
2: So,
0: you know, let's look at an elf. Yeah.
2: We could go on forever about the characters in this game. Yeah, there's so <laughs> many. There's, again, there's so many and, again, they're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination but they're they're pretty good and I would say most of them are pretty memorable in some ways. So yeah,
0: They put a lot of effort into making sure at least every one of them had something so, you know, well, hundred and eighty of them the you're ep- bound to like some. So.
2: Not just that. <laughs> the effort they make you go to get them, you kind of... yeah don't have a choice, really. Yeah, this <laughs> if you like is, it you know, or you don't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is a long game. It took me 90 hours for both of my playthroughs. Uh, between was s- characters.
2: 60-ish. And that was getting everybody.
0: Yeah, for me, probably that's probably a good 20 hours spent just manipulating storage. But <laughs> to move <laughs> our equipment around. Yeah, <laughs> you you, it,
2: you're really going to be
3: glad when you get access to Chuck, who runs your storage, because otherwise you just go, wait, I've been gathering items and I run up against an item limit. That's very, very cruel of you, Game.
2: Yeah.
3: I ran into that.
0: You know, I think we're supposed to talk about the ending at some point. We kind of got lost track of that. because,
3: but... <laughs> uh, again, yeah, okay.
2: there's, there's so much. And there's different oh, and endings. The, and incidentally,
3: yeah. for the ending, you need to have three separate parties going at it simultaneously, which is not as like good two. as Final Fantasy VI, but it, anybody who takes inspiration from Final Fantasy VI has to be doing something right.
2: No, I'm sorry. Suikoden two still did that better, too. Yeah. Sorry. Like it's like five you you tried to be two in that moment and you know what? You sucked at it. You sucked at it so hard because let's face it, Luca was memorable because Luca just wouldn't go down. This was just like, Oh my god, we need all the parties to kill Because
3: it. because the Godwins apparently set up this entire ruin system to operate based on a bunch of switches that interlocking parties have to sw- have to hit.
2: And again, can I throw it there was not a fan. I thought that was pretty dumb, not gonna lie.
0: Yeah, but, well, at least, you know, you get to destroy everything with the ridiculous power of the fact that, you know, ruins have combination attacks. Makes them You're adorable right to trying to
2: defend it a little bit here, and you don't <laughs> even sound convinced.
0: Huh? What? It's hey, so come you on, I'm just gonna... you haven't even heard my point yet, come on. Well,
2: I was going to say, but you don't even sound convinced of yourself, which I think is adorable. <laughs> Go you on, I'm it, sorry. I don't know.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm just saying, it's fun to rampage through this dungeon because, you know, you can destroy everything with the ridiculous power of the Dawn Twilight Rune combination ability. Which is,
2: which is overpowered. <laughs>
0: yes, <Yeah>, it's overpowered. A...
3: <laughs> like actually, you super... can't, because the Prince and Leon have to be in separate parties.
0: Ah, oh, I forgot that. Okay, everything up to this point, and for the final battle, Gosh. you to do this.
2: Exactly, and it's overpowered and ridiculous and awesome, and that is fine.
0: Yeah, it's like, you know... <laughs> combine the fun. Dawn rune, which is, the Dawn rune's one of my favorite runes for the main characters in the entire series, because you know it's a great healing rune. That's nice and helpful. It's like two great healing runes, except a little less broken.
2: Oh my god, the, the Bright Shield rune was so broken.
0: Yeah, it's, a, it's <laughs> so like a so balanced broken. version of the Bright Shield rune. It's kind of cool. And then on top of that, you've got combined with that, you've got the Twilight rune, which is a great attack rune, and combine them, you get attack. you get four different tiers of boost, heal the entire party and hurt in an entire enemy party and it's ridiculously cheap and ridiculously overpowered it's really fun yes it is uh, okay
3: uh, here let me
0: let me go through the events
3: real fast so that we know what what we're talking about Dodwin tells you you go through a quick tete a tete about uh, well how do you know how do I know that your way is right and then he manifests a thing out of the sun rune with two helpers that you have to kill. And then when you do it, apparently he died too. But
0: yeah, he basically absorbs himself into the room or something. It's kind of weird and
2: surreal.
3: I'm not really sure what happened there because this happens very quickly, and you you're probably going to go, "What? Where did this thing come from?"
2: You don't really get to absorb the moment.
3: Uh, and then Leon seems to die because she took a wound during her duel with Dolph, who we haven't mentioned at all because he's there's not much to him. But he's basically
0: he's a, good a creepy a creepy villain who saw his gazelle. Oh my god,
2: we r- have the same thing that happened to Ninami in 2. Stop ripping off 2 5. Uh, I and, then,
3: and then somehow, Lekna pops up after this is done to tell you that, oh, Prince, when you just went through and saw a whole bunch of spirit people in the afterlife, of your family members, along with those two Queen's Knights you just killed not long ago, who are apparently very happy to see you in the afterlife. Um, yeah, that's the sun rune's power actually. If if you care enough, it can restore life. Which kind well, of makes you 108 sense.
0: 108 stars. Which is okay. great.
3: Well, well, I did get 108 stars, so that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. It's more like this, the incident of one where if you have the power of 108 stars, someone comes back to life. Yep. And in this case, you know, if you have 108 stars, Nurse Leon will be revived by the re- rekindled life power of the sun rune. If you don't, she dies. Just like Sweet out.
2: coding 2.
0: Or Grammy 1 1, or what, take your pick. Exactly. And it sucks. I hated that ending. It's like <laughs> oh, wait, you know, no, it's Leon it's just t- died out of nowhere. It didn't feel right. I just hated it. So I get well, into the so entire you, game. You got one the
3: bit of establishment, you Nathan. You saw that Leon was hurting after her duel. That was it.
1: But <laughs>
2: yeah. you it know was what, Nathan? just
3: fine to go through the final boss with you
2: see, I, oh, she, I now I, understand why you, you were upset with your ending. It makes perfect sense. Because it just kind of like, oh, she dies. Like, that's kind of, that's shitty. Let's just throw it out there. Yeah. It is. Like, it's it, not convincing in any way.
1: So yeah, it's no wonder it, why it just... you went
2: back and were like, I need to fix this.
0: <laughs> yes. I refuse I think... to accept this lame, bad ending, which kills a character off that didn't deserve to be killed off. It makes not make sense that she was killed
1: off. Just, well, exactly. No. It's
2: not like a case where, you know, Grameo made sense. Actually having him come back to life kind of didn't make sense when you think about it. Um, but in Leon's case, I think that would you're right, that would be kind of weird. It's like, oh, she's dead. Why? <laughs> what purpose does that serve? Um, I mean, and again, with Nanami, again, if you kill her off, it, it does make sense. But you know, obviously would rather have a better ending.
0: Yeah, so okay, after the the question of whether she's dead or not is resolved the ending is a bit more, just, it kind of plays out a bit more quickly and smoothly of, you know, basically depending on the choices you make crossing through the game you either head off with George Prime on his own personal adventure and leave him your kingdom behind kingdom behind, or you return back and serve as a Queen's Knight, with different variations doing whether or not Leon is alive. And I think there's some differences whether or not Leon li- how much Leon likes you based off of the choices across the game, but I don't know how much it changes the first thing.
2: I couldn't tell you because I was kind of a douche to her, and like she still liked me. So yeah, that's the
0: thing. There's actually Leon will like the prince regardless, but there's certain events that happen only if you, sh- you do enough things to actually that she appreciates for. And I, I'm not sure sure what those are, because I think I failed because I suck at
2: games. Yeah, don't be self deprecating. I'm sure it's fine. But you know, Mud, we've talked a lot about the characters. We haven't really talked about the battle system, but the battle system actually goes back to, um, you know, in One and Two.
0: One and Two, yeah. It's basically an approved version of One and Two. I look for me, the battle system was best in Three, even with the flaw of the partner system. And so, anything that doesn't, which fails to be that, I'm kind of disappointed with. But this is probably the best one that isn't Three, battle system wise. You get Absolutely. All kinds of cr- You've got all kinds of crazy formations you can put the characters in. Which have different effects of either putting all the things. So rather than just the two lines from one and two, you can like put them all in an arrow formation. So only the, fir- the one person is in the front row and taking all the brunt of the enemy attacks. Or you can spread them out in more of a circle and focus on magic attacks and stuff like that. And oh, and it was a lot fantastic. Of you can build. And you know what? Special... It was
2: actually it's actually worth using them too.
0: Yeah, it's really important to build actually... your formations
2: right the game actually encourages it, which I think is great, because you know how there's some games where it's like, oh, we give you a formation system but you don't really have to use it. This game actually really encourages it, which I, I appreciate it because I actually use them quite a bit.
0: Yeah, it's also valuable since, you know, unlike other games, it's not a set number of like, oh, you have three short-range weapon users. In this game, you can have like five short-range weapon users and have it work thanks to the formations.
2: Absolutely.
0: So it lets you use more versatile parties and such. Which,
2: not just you know, that. really you... awesome you didn't feel limited in any way which was really nice uh, mm-hmm. because you could have a variety of com- combinations and they would all work in some way as long as you format it like, use the right formation, you could do anything you wanted the sky was kind of the limit which you know was kind of nice compared to some of the other ones where it was very set in the ways of, hey, you have a short range character, you better put them in the front unless their name is Luke, then he's got to sit in the back <laughs> well, nobody likes Luke enough, he has to sit in the back
3: <laughs> I never used him unless I had to in 3.
2: <laughs> I'm just purposely a jerk to Luke, because, again, another you character. I we,
1: think we he's never
3: just overhyped. We never mentioned Zerase, did we?
2: No, she's... <laughs> Nobody cares about Zerase, she's, Zerase, she's just
0: Zerase, there. is kind of interesting, In fact that they present her as the new Keeper of the Tablet, who's, I think, begrudgingly working for Legnaut. Well, uh, but she's
2: interesting let's face it people, Lecknot's the real villain of this entire series (laughs) (laughs) always has been, always will be because let's face it, she says everybody's destinies, everybody's destinies is sad she laughs about it you know, I would be pretty pissy having to work for her she's kind of a crappy person (laughs) Plus, your name is Luke, Luke loves her like, until you get to three and then you're just like, whoa dude totally understand your pain, I'm sorry you got fired Uh, but rage is not the answer but, you know, that's always been my theory. Oh, and,
3: and Lechnot herself does not show up until more than halfway through this game.
2: For yeah, some it reason. Takes
0: a while for the whole tablet thing to get going. Because this game has weird pacing. So this game
2: say. has horrible pacing. It is slow and all over the map, and oh my god, it makes me cry. The music's really good, though. The introduction, yeah, a...
3: I think, is the worst just because it makes you go through every time someone joins or leaves your party. You have to go through it one at a time with that mm-hmm. slow text crawl. Leon yeah. has joined the party. Limslia has joined the party. Miyakis has joined the party. Thank you so much. I couldn't have figured that out in my own game.
0: Yeah. I'll, what, was I, what was I thinking? Uh, uh, okay. Zerose. Zarase may Zerase. not be much yeah. of
3: a character, but uh, she's really strong in battle.
0: Yeah, she possesses the Star Room, which is, you know, an interesting thing because it for me, it's kind of re appraises my entire theories about how the true runes work, and particularly how previous ones, like the moon rune, actually function. But it's basically a rune equivalent to this dawn rune and the, the twilight rune, in that it's kind of a... It's much more powerful than a normal rune, but still kind of subservient to another one. And, and it's, I pre- it's just basically equivalent for into, to this twilight rune, for, uh, rune for, or the night rune. And it's, you know, she's got a very powerful rune and is not afraid to use it, and this is a very powerful spellcaster this is yeah. true.
3: And I fitted her with a magic absorb rune on her right hand. <laughs> Makes her pretty self-sustaining.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of ways to break people with good runes.
3: But you can't break Vicky in this game because she's got that blinking rune stuck on her wh- on her right hand, so you can't give her a magic absorb.
0: Two. Yeah, Vicky's still always powerful, though.
3: Yeah, even, even the second spell of her blinking rune where it just teleports a bunch of crap in to fall on the enemies, that's pretty strong.
0: And she's always amusing considering this is a game where she enters up she's like, wait, Flana? Didn't that kingdom die off like hundreds of years ago? Or, or was <clears> trope <just throat> in comment. It's like, she doesn't know when or where she is at ah, oh.
3: That pretty much fits with every other time she's appeared in the series, I think. Yep. Poor, poor Vicky just bounces from time to time with no control, really. That's what it says at the end of every game, that right after you were done, right after the victory celebration, Vicky sneezed and bam! She's gone. Poor Vicky.
0: I'm still convinced she's the only character actually going between each game, you know, as the num- numerically rather than chronologically.
3: That'd fit. Who knows what Gene's deal is.
0: Yeah, I don't even want to bother. Uh, still. Let's <laughs> so not
2: go there. <laughs> yeah. Because you know what? Wise... It's probably questionable.
0: Yeah. So, gameplay wise, we talked about the battle system is, you know, straight silicon, both cool formation system and, you know, more runes. Not as good as three, but nothing is.
2: I disagree, but. We don't need to go there.
0: Yeah, that's probably a debate to be held some other time, maybe.
2: Yeah, didn't, didn't we have that debate when we talked about 3? We did. <laughs> and I disagreed <laughs> the last time. <laughs> not that I, uh, I, I don't hate... And remember, I don't hate Reed's battle system at all. I actually think it's really interesting, but it's not my I do not
0: about the partner system, but you know, that's a lot of cool stuff, too. Um, but
3: uh, the th- from 3 to 4 to 5, we keep the idea of having... Characters who don't participate in the battle directly, but just sit there on the sidelines and help you out, and now you can have up to four of them.
0: That's really useful.
3: Or you, instead of four people who have only out-of-battle an, ancillary effects, you could have extra people to switch into the fight if you want.
1: And you know, it's
3: yeah. it's really handy during those cases when the game says, "Here are these characters. You are going to take them with you right now."
2: You're going oh, all mm-hmm.
3: Like when Lucretia comes along with her two buddy buddies, uh, Lele and Sias, I think are their names, and yep, you have to take them. Um,
2: I lose everybody? No, we're,
0: moving. we're here. Okay. We're moving. Let's see here. the dual system is you know, a dual system?
2: It's the same. It. No, no like it's timed version, now. But... Well, other than that, and you know what, that was a stupid addition.
3: Well, the timing is very generous, assuming you're good at listening to what they say
0: and gauging uh. the
3: next move.
2: I just don't think adding a time system did anything for it. Like, it was really a pointless ad.
0: Yeah, it's... In terms of even the interface and everything, I just... I don't really like the... I I wasn't fond of
2: duels in this one, either.
0: I mean, there's... there's, You know, the motion capture isn't very good in them, and they're not very well choreographed, and they're all flash, and there's no real mechanical substance to them other than...
2: The prince kind of looks weird, too. Like, he just kind of looks, like, lopsided and, like, almost, like, a puppet on the strings like it looked really weird the
3: time. I found it hilarious that during the credits there were multiple motion capture people credited and I honestly couldn't have told you based on the animations that yep those sure were real people put in there
0: <laughs> yeah it just wasn't the best nah, it, it was, well
2: let's 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 call it honestly it was pretty fugly <laughs> okay it was.
0: Yeah, it's like
3: you know. I want to be as nice as I can by saying that in the few segments with voices, there aren't many of them. It looks okay for an early PS2 game. There, I've know, been I don't as remember.
2: Nice as I, can. I don't remember truthfully. I remember being <laughs> yeah. the voice acting that did exist being okay. Yeah,
0: the voice acting. Like nothing divine. special,
2: but like not detrimental either. Like time in eternity. Um. <laughs>
3: I, you, you unlock several voice options later in the game with, uh, what's-her-face Rania, the sister of one of the dragon cavalry, and just for the heck of it, I briefly tried the prince with a baby voice.
1: Weird.
3: That was one of the stupidest things I've ever done.
1: Weird.
3: Weirder that the game actually gives you that option. Here, have your hero sound like a baby in the cradle.
2: Weird. out. doubt. Weird it out. No, thank
3: you. Mission accomplished. It's also, like giving
2: zombie voices in Saints Row 4.
3: Also, the prince does not wear the outfit that he's wearing on the cover for a long time in the game. Well, I just feel that... like I should throw that out there. Because, you know, it's right on the cover. You can't consider it a spoiler if, the, if Konami itself didn't consider it a spoiler.
2: True. Did you not... I don't know about you guys, but I think we've exhausted Speedcoding 5.
0: I haven't gotten uh, the military battle system yet, and I kind of always mention that.
2: Cause it's oh, of... okay. Yeah, actually, you know what? I forgot about that. It was pretty nifty. Also, but... Breath was kind of awesome for the military yeah. battles.
0: Yeah. Basically, the military battle system, it's, you know, it's basically ogre battle in this game. It completely changed from the previous ones because now it's real-time based. And you build army squads and then kind of move them at each other in real-time. If they win, they push the enemy back. If they lose, they're pushed back by the enemy, and it lacks you get some lot...
3: nice cheats, of course, with,
1: yeah. with rune abilities.
0: Basically, whenever you clash into battle, you get to choose whether you just do, do various kinds of attack or just use your runes or use special abilities. And you can do long range catapult attacks or supporting arrow fire. And there's a lot of little options in the game. And it's, It can be a little hard to control. And, it can, it...
3: and I got frustrated a few times when multiple people were being attacked simultaneously and I couldn't move between them in time to really see what was going on. Yeah,
0: stuff like that's really annoying. But.
3: Uh, oh, and multiple battles in this game, let's face it. You don't have a whole lot of say in who's going to be your unit leaders.
0: Yeah, it's that's really annoying. It's, even in the final battle, you don't have a lot of real ability to build your whole army, which is kind of annoying. But, you know, it, it does have cool stuff because you have know, both lands and units and sea units, both of which are split into three types. You can have infantry, archers and cavalry, or ram ships, assault ships, or arrow ships, which yep. all, have different stra- all have kind of a Triangle effectiveness against each other. and
3: Except for a couple of units you have in the water sequences that the enemy doesn't. Yeah,
0: you Beavers. Do beavers <laughs> and Dragon Cavalry, which basically Beat destroy everything. everything in the water.
3: <laughs> and then they can come up on land. You probably don't want to put the beavers on land because they're beavers. They're not that great on land.
0: Yeah. Dragon Cavalry is okay on land, but they destroy everything on the water. It's true.
3: And at. I gotta say, I got really into those military battles in this game. They're pretty fun.
0: Yeah, they're uh, they're probably one of the best military battle systems in the entire series. Which was really I fun. can agree
2: with that. Again, a lot of thinking on your feet, which I completely appreciated.
3: Oh, yes. Have we addressed the load times?
2: They're awful. They suck. Like 4, they suck. They suck a lot.
3: I appreciate the Konami when you have certain people in your party will use their what their uh, their early Suquoden sprite would have been as an image for your load screen but I would have appreciated a lot more not having the load screen at all
2: Now, why would they do that?
3: maybe no. somebody came up with somebody a week before this thing ships realizes there's no way we can fix this is there any way we can make it a little prettier you, visual artist, go at it <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's the kind of thing where, you know, it just has bad load times. It's just shame. It is what
1: it is. Yeah. It does.
0: I mean, like, stuff like they the cool sunlight animation when you're kind of entering into battles, but it's still long load times for every single battle.
3: Yep. Uh, Every time you go into a different part of town, a a different floor of your castle, here's a load time for you. Every time you switch somebody into your party, like Vicky or Gene or, let's uh, just face the old the old mage who trains you, Levi, you get a load time because the game has to adjust to the fact that that person is no longer on the screen, but is with you. Oh, yes, the skill system.
0: Yeah, it's got a kind of really simplified version of the Switch and 3 skill system. I don't like it so much. It's basically just attach the skill and get better stats, and characters equip different skills based off of who they are. But
3: yeah, and you can only equip two at once, which is yeah, really only two at
0: once. It just it's there. It doesn't add a lot. So I kind of find it disappointing, but it's, you know, something I guess.
3: Yeah, and apparently it factors into New Game Plus because you get party skill points, which is actually useful if you get somebody who you don't want to spend three hours going and leveling, you can just use the party SP to help. But you get, apparently keep the party SP if you start a new game plus.
0: Oh, you can also keep all the skills. The You, know, you have to learn find, and these very skills, like, say, finding them in chests and such, and you can carry that knowledge over into the next game, so you can start the game with the really powerful skills.
3: Do you start with all the formations you got earlier, too?
0: I think so, yeah. Okay. Not the equipment or levels, but you to keep this stuff.
3: <laughs> well, of course not. We wouldn't want to break it too much, any more than it already is broken. <laughs> um, yeah, the. I, I particularly liked the music of Sable, that town in the southeast where you let you free from the Armus invasion. That town's tune was really cool.
0: That's a lot of good music. It's true. You know, like, the, like the basic music that plays when you're building your, mil- your team in the military battles. That theme rocks. I don't uh, know why, but I always seem to like those themes in
1: games.
3: <laughs> the tune in the final dungeon. Probably because it's an ice place, but it reminded me of Frost Walrus' stage in Mega Man X4.
2: (laughs) Also, wait, before we even get off the top of Super 5, the Twilight Woods, worst freaking dungeon ever. The one where it's like, hey, you get lost a lot. Better hope you got a piece of paper with you. Uh, I,
3: I admit I cheated a little bit and looked on Game Facts because there was that. A gap.
2: That was one of the few things I had to look up because I was just like, I am getting so angry and I want to break the disc because um, it's a poorly designed dungeon. <laughs> but I just continue. Sorry.
0: Yeah, I think I'm winding down on what to say about this one.
2: Yeah, I'm kind of, kind of toast. For me, um,
0: I guess all I can say about Civilization 5 is it's my third favorite circuit game of them number numerical ones it's better than 1 and 4, but not as good as 2 and 3. I would agree with you that.
2: Know, I, I kind of don't want to rank it because it's definitely on the lower end for me, personally. Really? Um, I like Terracrys actually more than <laughs> 2 Sweet Code and 5, which uh, is kind of saying
0: much. Yeah, we're going to get we're gonna talk about Terracrys right soon. Oh, like and
3: uh, as long as we're on the last thoughts, Leeds must expend a whole lot of hair con- tonic to make her hair look like that.
2: <laughs> She's hot, let's just end it there it's hot, done
3: I don't even know why she needed to dye her hair brown When her sister's hair is grey Her nephew's hair is grey And she looks really good with silver hair When she reveals that she stopped dyeing it I do think her outfit is kind of silly though
2: I love it, shut up And by that I mean I totally agree with you
3: I like the outfit that they were, that she was wearing When they were supposed to be on the run And not drawing attention to themselves which of course you almost never see again because the game doesn't give you optional outfits for the few people who have them.
4: So, right. so I've I've heard a lot of pros, I've heard a lot of cons, but ultimately this comes down to: is it worth it? If now, you're a
2: Spikodon fan, you're going to play it. That's the easiest way to look at it.
4: I am pretty surprised this one is still fetching uh, like sixty dollars used uh, on half.com Yeah.
2: Well, you know what? Though with Spikodon Five, it, it's interesting because um, it is actually quite the fan favorite. Um, A lot of people really love this one, mostly because I think it has to do with just the primary cast of characters. They're really strong in this game. Yeah, There's a
0: lot to like in this game. We've spent a lot of time talking about its flaws, but there's a lot to like in it.
2: Absolutely. It's it's one of those games where, if you can look past the flaws, it, it is actually a really fun gameplay wise game. I'm never going to fault the gameplay in this game I think it's fantastic for the most part The story on the other hand I'm going to fault as much as I can Because it's a contrived mess and With some really good moments
0: There's also a lot of clever writing In terms of just great character dialogue and such It's Absolutely. really memorable and fun I have
4: found uh, I have found one used copy now For um, $50 Unless you want the Japanese import You can get that for 25 course you might have to pick up a foreign language uh but of course our <laughs> listeners were hardcore rpg gamers so uh they want the brand new sealed limited edition with the art book and music cd for the low low price of one hundred and forty nine dollars.
2: Wow, that's actually totally the one I I have that I didn't entirely send to Jooms.
4: <laughs> <laughs> good thing. Very <laughs> be putting that thing on eBay. Shoot.
2: Well, no, I got it back when like it came out and it was only sixty dollars.
4: <laughs> Dang. Well, good good call on that one. So uh... Uh,
2: this is the series I auto buy. So even if it's a bad game, I still buy it. It's one of my favorite series, and like I said, even though I'm a little hard on five, I quite enjoy. I quite enjoyed it, and again, like if you're a sweet Odin fan, duh, you're already gonna play this, and and that's the thing. Um, like we can all ignore four. I like, yeah, four, like four, but this is a all- game
0: you'll regret. Playing like four, it's a fun, good game. So,
1: so See, uh, like is it? Is it? <laughs> that's just me.
4: But is it <laughs> worth the fifty bucks? Yes. All right.
2: I- i It's with always
4: you. up to the person.
1: Uh, what about honestly, to you personally? That,
4: that... This is totally a subjective question. What about you, Nathan? Would you pay fifty bucks? Hey, I paid more for that. <laughs> I, I that. know you paid more for it, but now that you've had the experience, if if you had to do it again, <laughs> knowing what you know <laughs> you now, know, would you this do is it? game
0: I put a hundred. I put more time to this game than many other
4: games I've ever played for single player RPGs. So I don't really regret that. Okay. Uh, Mister Minky, what are what, what's your final thoughts on that? As
3: far as price goes, like, uh, would you pay 50
4: bucks knowing what you know now would you if you had 50 bucks in your pocket would you buy this or rush out and buy I a probably, different game?
3: I probably would quite frankly. I spent about 80 hours on it and after you get through the incredibly drudgerous incredibly annoying introduction, it goes by much faster and considering that you'd be paying that much or more for a brand new game then this one's held its value pretty well for a better reason than its scarcity I think, although
2: well, and it's like we said, the to get to the end, like the payoff is, is pretty big actually, so it's like if you can suffer the beginning you can play this game and you will get enjoyment out of it and there are, like I said, really beautifully written parts in this game like, oh my god, our, like I said, our stats death are I I cried I'm not gonna lie because it was just awesome and sad, but no more Sweet Code in Five. No more. We talked about it enough.
0: Yeah, it's time wow. to move on.
2: Okay, let's move gonna... on to the one that the one that people again like to ignore. Because oh my god, it's not Sweet Code in Six, it's but just... it has some interesting <laughs> but it has some interesting ideas. Which um, well, man, if you we're think gonna... about. The... Odin Laura we we're gonna we're, yeah, take a break
4: we're gonna save those uh those oh, thoughts okay. for uh for just a few minutes so that uh, so that y'all can take a bio or whatever have you and our audience can listen to this wonderful so we could in five sound track something hold on one moment. we'll be right back names, so we could in end... tiramisu. How did <laughs> or you say? whichever. How did it's, Sam want to pronounce? It's not quite it?
3: as delicious if you put it in your mouth. I'm afraid.
4: Some some might consider Sam's uh, enunciation to be a little bit more accurate. What? Do you, how do you pronounce it there,
2: Sam? I say tearcryst, but there's <laughs> people I actually have quite a number of pronunciations for it, and no one's ever said which one's right. I mean,
4: I use tearcryst, but.
2: That's what I mean. No one's ever confirmed what's right or wrong. So. Okay, we,
4: never, we neither confirm nor deny that those uh, enunciations you just said are actually better than I, mine, I which is so we could do tiramisu.
2: I had a girlfriend who <laughs> called this one stupid, uh, stupid code in Tetris, so...
4: Yeah, you know. that, that's another one I've called it, too. Anywho, uh, this is developed by Konami, published by the same, uh, released on your Nintendo DS handheld entertainment system in North America on March seventeenth, two 2009, a single-player RPG experience. And so, as all, always, oh, you had some thoughts you want to start off with, right, well, Sam? Well,
2: no, this is probably the most different of all the Coding games. Yep. You never know unless well, you
4: try it. Uh, um, hey, hey, Sam... Counter. Maybe you could clear up a rumor for me that I heard uh, I read on some of our forums somewhere uh, Rumor has it that this is not Suikoden Six.
2: No, it's, it's not, and oh, okay. we can still be mad at Konami because I want my Harmonia game that'll give me So I'll just sit here and cry a little bit But this game actually deals with a really interesting concept of portals This, yes. this particular title has the idea that there are multiple worlds, and within these multiple worlds, there are gateways so the world that we have experienced in the five Coding games is just one world of possibilities. Yeah.
0: This is actually an idea which is introduced in the selection games themselves. of there are being a kind of the infinity of kind of their worlds just one amongst many. We even visit some of these other worlds in some of the code guidance side games. Well, and you know, it's uh, but this is a game that embraces that full scale.
2: But and you know, oh, and uh, this is where all the the best fan theories have come out truthfully. I mean, we have characters in the Suikoden universe where we really can't explain where they come from. Uh, Uber being a perfect example. He actually uses a portal in Suikoden 2 to appear in Green Hill. So, you know, you have characters with unexplained origins as to where they come from. This game kind of gives you that sense that we have a bridging gap now. That a character like Uber probably does come from another world. Um, and same with Lethnot even. Well, let like not some powers are...
0: to open gates to other worlds. So.
2: Exactly, so she she does it all. But these are, like, some of the theories, you know, when this game first came out. I mean, I have been on, speak out in fan boards for years and years and years. So I always loved reading, whenever a new game came out, like, people's theories about characters and whatnot. But this game kind of opened a big can of worms in the fandom. Because it, it, it really did make lot. people... Well, it makes you question a lot of things about yeah, it's certainly the world. world.
0: The thing is, on the surface, it doesn't have a lot of connection to other entries in the series, but if you really look into it, it's kind of interesting the way it presents things. It makes you think about, you know, how do, what does this say about the main series? It's kind of really interesting. I, I like doing that, thinking of it that way. It's pretty cool.
2: Oh, yeah. Like, I I don't know. I just...
0: I'll probably start sharing some of my theories when we get to talking it, more
1: about the game.
2: It's it's a really, it, in one sense, it's kind of a silly plotline because, you know, when you think about portals, kind of cliche... This game actually does it in a very convincing way. Yeah, this um, game does
0: it, it, <laughs> basic stuff really well.
2: Um, I actually really love this game. Um, I think yeah. I'm in a minority for this one. I don't know how much yeah, I mean, this,
0: yeah, this game is one that receives a lot of hate for simply being very different from the previous games in the series. But, you know, if you look on it, its own merits, it, this is a pretty good little RPG. It and does not I, it's does a lot that's very creative and very well. I mean...
2: It, it still has a lot of sweet code in... Tropes. Like, that's I mean, the it, thing. It uses I'm all think, of them. Just, yeah. it's very different.
0: Okay, the thing is that, you know, most fucking the games, they're all about the 27 true runes. They're obsessed with the runes. And, well, here the, it's the, the Stars domi-
3: of Destiny, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, no. The thing is that, you know, the Stars of Destiny are there. They're more of a, just an organization of your party. It's not. They're only occasionally referenced as an important thing at all in the games. This is a game which takes the Stars of Destiny and takes them from a minor element of the series to being the it? element of the series. It's all about the Stars of Destiny in this one. It makes puts that center and front, foremost and ignores the power of runes entirely, which is, I think, a very interesting direction because refocuses really well, onto the original source material it's inspired by.
2: And the other thing about this one is it really is all about the connection you make with the characters, um, which is fantastic because it's all about the Stars of Destiny. Like It's constantly reinforced as you're going through the game. And I absolutely adored that aspect of the story. And the characters in this game are actually really wonderful, and like, they get get shat on a lot, and I wish that they didn't because I think on their own merits, they're really fantastic and really memorable. Yeah, there's a lot of great characters in this game. Oh, Crowkill. I love her. She's amazing. And her sister? Equally amazing.
0: Kind of goofy, in her own way, but also kind of But I love
2: her. I... Like I said, like I love the okay. characters. I even love the protagonist as much as okay, like.
0: The thing with killed and Fredrickson is that you know they're they're twins, they're identical twins who are actually portrayed interestingly and well. That is rare, in a person who has a twin well, himself, I I, was gonna say, I appreciate that. I
2: say you of all people would probably have the most appreciation for that. Um, I, I just think, I thought know, they had a really lovely relationship too. Like yeah, they, they they care about each other. They um, care about
0: each other. They 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 depend on each other. They're important to each other. They're both strong and do different things, and they're, and they're different, different people, even though they're very similar. And, you know, it's way better than treating them as kind of as a screen joke or through the horrible evil twin plot or what have if you. Uh, you see twins portrayed very badly all over the place, and I hate it, but they're done so well here. i have to appreciate them and shut them out. Good Absolutely.
2: job! Absolutely. You know what? Like, just the character relationships in this game are really, really beautifully done. Like, um, I love the relationship the hero has with Marika and Jail. Um, yes. They have a really wonderful friendship, and it's it's That's really a- genuine.
0: And then, and you know, they've got the set of main characters. They're friends. They play with each other. They're always helping you out. They're a good team. They're my final battle team. Just the starting four characters, and they're.
2: I, I did too. Yeah. Cause you know what they—they're just—they're intriguing. I mean, it's—it's kind of hard to explain in a lot of ways, but I—I I found a lot of the characters in this game really wonderful. And uh, again, for being a—a a side game, the characters are just so genuine in this game. Like they're very passionate. They're very—they um, mean something to each other. And you haven't really seen that kind of development really since. Um, where you get that sense that, like, everybody has this big interconnection, and um, it's not just about the people, it's about everything that surrounds them. Yeah,
0: and um, that's It's also very, more very fun-
2: people-focused.
0: Also, like, I really like the main character scheme, because he's one of the most driven main characters in the series. It's like, he's, it's, he's not, a it's, not, it's not like he just kind of fell into this role, or is doing have out of obligation, or it's just kind of pulled apart as the whims, kind of pulled along by the whims of more powerful people. He's actually the main driving person who pushes towards everything the characters do. It's his choice and his path and he's driving it forward and making things happen. Because well, he th- wants to.
2: We're, I think we're also spoiled with this game because he actually has a personality compared yeah, to... Yeah, that helps a lot. I-, I mean, ignoring 3, which was its own unique beast. Um, yeah, you know, he, own he has a really great personality and what I love about the main character <laughs> in this game is he's very encouraging. Like, when failure happens... He doesn't let it just destroy him. He's all about, okay, you know what? We failed. We can do this. We can try it again. Everything was always, you never know unless you try. And, and He's, uh, he's was also got some,
0: great, he got some great <laughs> lines, like, you know, hey, you just recruited a, a big impressive guy who come back and says, hey, look what we got! and Stuff like that. It's just positive and... Very upbeat. Just, yeah.
2: He's, and nice. he also has a lot of humor, too, which um, I absolutely loved. I thought... Like of all the Sweet Coden protagonists, he is easily one of the most interesting, and I and I hate that he gets knocked because he has a personality. I don't know if people just want a more like negative protagonist, but I mean we've spent the whole series with mostly mute protagonists, and if you look at the protagonists from three, they all have really dark storylines. So to have this character who's kind of uh, positive and upbeat it is really kind of jarring for the series. But I actually think it was something that was really welcomed. Like I, I truthfully appreciated it.
0: It's always something that's, you know, refreshing, I guess. RPGs like, tend to not have upbeat good, positive protagonists.
2: Well, and I think because he has a really strong supporting cast, he's a lot more easier to appreciate. Because, you know, Marika, for example, like she's obviously got a crush on him, but she's the very serious one, like you all know she's gonna be the the next head of the village, hopefully probably marrying the protagonist. Um, but, like, and, she doesn't know. let him get away with crap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and she's so... got the the alternate Marika, which was hilarious.
0: Yeah, just, uh, okay, early in the game, you meet an alternate universe version of Marika, who, she's actually the main heroine of her own story. She's the leader of 108 stars in her game. Okay, so, you know, there's somewhere out there, there's another Marika who's leading a different game, who's the in charge and has her own attitude. It's kind of fun and cool.
2: And she has a completely different personality. Which is pretty funny, actually. Because she she makes fun of the real Marika for being such a stick in the mud. Is like one of the lines. She's like, oh, you're so boring! Like, stop it! And then she's like, you're the one who's reckless and stupid! And, like, they actually get into a fight and that was, like, one of my favorite scenes in that game. Just watching the two of them bicker. And then she's going like, man, like, my other me sucks. (laughs) you're just like this is hilarious. Oh, oh this game. And I I kind of loved um Marika's older sister. She was just kind of pervy and hilarious. Siska. <laughs> I loved her. Like I loved that whole village, okay? The Citro villagers were hilarious <laughs> and kind of ridiculous. Oh, my goodness. These characters.
0: Yeah, and then and there's so and I mean, there's just so much going on in this game. Uh, man, I can't even try to think. Well, okay, so we we'll probably should talk about the plot a bit. Um, basically, outside of the very mysterious opening sequence in which you watch the characters gather together to fight the villain and lose, and basically the very first thing you see is entire party get wiped against the final boss. Yep. You then wake up, and the characters going off their daily business when suddenly they're basically looking for something, and then. Boom! A giant forest and temple appear out of nowhere, and they say, "What the heck is that?" And then oh wait, they t- they start talking like that place has been there the entire time. And so they start going into a- in there to look for the- what they're looking
1: for. And- well,
2: remember they're kind of they're brainwashed into thinking it was always there. The this is actually a game that has a cult in it, which is you know also kind of different for the Sekonan universe. Like it's a fatalistic cult that says, "Hey, the future is predetermined." And that's it's, their
0: mantra Well it's before that even point It's before they even encounter that cult yeah. it's, you know, it's not just that a force appeared of nowhere It's that reality was retconned So it was always there yeah. In a sense The characters go into a temple and there they find a strange book And upon touching it They then realize, oh wait, this never was It wasn't always there we- This disappeared a couple hours ago What the heck because upon touching that book called a chronicle, they become the stars of destiny. Or rather, because they're the stars of destiny, they gain this power upon touching it. And so they realize, wait, the world has changed. What's going on? And that kind of pushes the driving forward as they start realizing that, hey, this isn't the first time this has happened. This fact has happened several times. A chronicle has appeared in the world, and with it, a piece of another world, another piece of the infinity. And doing so has changed the history of their own world. It dramatically, in a sense.
2: It's a it's an interesting time-slip plot. Um, especially when they kind of get forced into the idea that, yeah, it was kind of always there. For me, really, the star of the plot was the Order of the One True Way. They were fascinating.
0: They were um, actually decent villains for the series.
2: They were scary. Oh. Like, they, their motives were that if everything is predetermined, then so is everyone's death. And the apocalypse. Um, and Valfred and Deodora were actually pretty, like, they could make you uncomfortable with kind of how they would speak to the characters. Um, because if the hero is Captain Positivity, these guys are the negative Nancys. Like, they want to make sure that the world, if it ends, like, it ends their way. And uh, it's creepy at times. Um, oh, I did not like Valfred, though. Like, he, he gave me the willies a couple times.
0: Yeah, and there's also the thing that, you know, from the people from Citro Village is, is a kind of cool guy who's a big ally from the early part of the game the kind of big birth of the characters who mm-hmm. unlike them doesn't receive the power of the 108 stars he's not yeah. chosen as that and he's the fact that he's left out on that the odd one out who does understand what they're talking about is what drives him to eventually become a villain who turns yeah. against him. and when there's all kinds of interesting stuff about that guess- it has got a great character arc
2: Oh, that that's, like, one of the best arcs, actually, I think, in the series. Just because it's so well done. Like, it feels believable. And it's that fact, like, somebody's not chosen. The fact that you're not special. And the fact that they rampage in that not specialness. Like, I love a good rampage. And uh, that plotline was just, I thought, was fantastic.
0: Yeah. Oh. The thing is that, like, you know... Th- at the beginning, you see a new world enter, and that's not the, you know, last time it happened. It's actually several times across the length of this game. It's fully revealed that the leader of the Order of the One True Way is, in fact, helping cause this to happen. He wants a total of 12 worlds to fuse into theirs, and so, entire landmasses, practically, just appear, where there's nothing, so there's this giant open plain filled with entire species of animal people who weren't in that world before. yeah uh, uh, that's kind of thing about using the power of One Chronicle to manipulate how another world enters and such, but basically the thing is that there's so revealed that an entity called the One King is trying to fuse all of the worlds together or, 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 and create some kind of unified paradise, and the people of way are trying to basically perform a certain ritual of fusing twelve worlds to be allowed into the paradise ruled by the One King, in which basically yeah. they'll be created their own little utopia in which their own dreams and hopes are realized for them.
2: It's it's an apocalyptic event that they're trying to bestow on people and, yeah,
0: and you have all these the pro- groups
2: of people who are afraid of that prospect. Um I mean this game actually has a surprising number of races in it, which um, you know, compared to some of the other speed coding games is uh pretty fascinating. I mean I, I was a big lover of the Furious Roar. I don't know about you.
0: Yeah, the the Furious Roar are pretty darn cool. Uh, and uh, like, almost all of them are good.
2: And, I mean, I love the Osterfolk. I thought they were really interesting. Yeah, um, the Osterfolk are pretty nice, too. So, I mean, like, a lot of the races that can introduce this they game are... the Porpoise people? Great. Yeah, the Porpoise... The Porpoisekins. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I think they're called the Nanestes. I'm probably wrong on it, but we, we'll just call them the Porpoise people. <laughs> yeah. Um, they yeah, are I mean, also... pretty fun. I, I, like I said, I loved just the fact that this game is really... Diverse in its cast of characters, and you don't just get like one character who's of a different race in this game, you get a bunch. Like with the Furious Roar, you get uh, a yeah, good chunk seven, of people. You seven,
0: get, I
2: think around eight, actually. Yeah, eight. There's a lot uh, one of
0: annoying because, like, I missed two characters when I played the game. I got 106 stars, one of them was Furious Roar. It's like you're an annoying character to recruit. <laughs> I'll say that. That's what like, I mean. Like, you talk to what?
2: Oh, sorry, go ahead
0: if you talk to him at the wrong time without the right character in your party you'll never be able to recruit him
2: yep yep, yep. it's kind of a pain yeah but I I love that about this game the diversity and a lot of the groups are just really interesting and they give you the backstory for each one so you don't feel like you don't know what's going on with each one um and it's just done really well and also yeah there are no queendoms in this game but there is a magedom <laughs>
0: The magedom ruled the by
2: mage by Danish. Who,
0: yeah, it's like he's the king is well. I guess hedonistic is the best way to describe him and his rule.
2: Oh, he's he's just a bomb.
0: <laughs> Yeah.
2: <laughs> Look at like,
0: him. How many wives does he have?
2: Um, isn't it like he has like, three? I want to say it's three.
1: Yeah, because you like... meet
2: you meet them, and yeah, I think you they're... get one of them. <laughs> like, Maybe I... it. I can't remember That's... truthfully.
1: Yeah, I but can't he's, remember. he's to
2: get Assad, and I I liked him as a character. He's the second in command, um, yeah. for Janam people.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Now I want to remember how many wives this guy has because it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got,
0: like at least, at least two or three major I was ones. Say, at children.
2: least two for sure.
0: At least two for sure. Who will both have children? He tries to make Frodo killed, but she clubs him over the head and gets away
2: kind of just like uh no dude he's like but I like you and he's like no and then Asad's like please don't touch her cause I'm the one that likes her and she's like I don't like you either and he's like oh
1: <laughs> like yeah. it's
2: really cute Kurt uh, Kill doesn't really like anybody <laughs> <She's>
0: <laughs> there's just a lot very... of people who like
1: her but...
2: well you know what it is she's that woman who you know so into what she wants goes for it not really afraid of anything and everyone just finds it really hot I mean, her sister's so goofy, it's like oh, you're the cuter one, we know you're the cuter one. <laughs> but I, I just, ah, I, I love this, these characters and it's just, this game was so fun for being different. Um, but it only gives you four playable characters at a time. Yeah, that's the
0: annoyance. It's a little simple.
2: Well, I mean, you kind of can't blame them though, if you think about it, Nathan. I mean, it was on yes, the DS. Yes,
0: It got some. It's of more of like a
2: limitation than anything else, and I think Th- this I is.
3: actually do remember a little bit about. Most oh of my the God! Plot most of the plot you're talking about, I completely forgotten, so I had nothing to contribute. But I remember instead of army battles, you just have three different parties going around. For yeah, you have similar of
1: three parties to. Yeah,
0: That's the thing, this game, it doesn't have a dueling system It doesn't have an army battle system But it still has duels and still has major military battles I don't the know if you're battles. in the
4: guild chat and, I don't I don't know. Remember We had the a, the a mark guy of the stars who just thing joined our can... guild He bought the game
3: You have standard magic to point system instead of of
4: the rune system, system Because of all um, the others be talking about an RPG yeah. cast Each character has their own list of
0: abilities Basically, every time in the plot You acquire one of the chronicles The, <laughs> the also, each mm-hmm. member of the party gains an ability unique. that's basically they have their own unique list, one ability for each chronicle, and you can build on a set of four abilities that are assigned to them at any given time. so you can kind of customize your characters a little bit but each one's also kind of unique and yeah which is not a
2: horrible sub- it's honestly not a horrible substitute for the rune system either.
0: No uh, it works pretty well. gives the personality abilities are there.
3: If you get everybody, then you've got a lot of characters. Like more yeah. battle characters than in any of the other main. Like, I think
0: it's... only Swicen One is at all close to how many mm-hmm. battle characters you have. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I think you
3: have about ninety or so, maybe more than ninety that you can use in battle. It's,
2: it's about it's about ninety because yeah, the number of support yeah, characters you, could... you have is is very limited in this game. But to be yeah, fair, yeah. support's not really a big thing in this game either.
0: Yeah, they've got a fifth slot, which you have four battle characters and one character is just kind of hanging out who can help out. I really wish sure there was a sixth slot for a second support character that would have helped quite a bit, especially since you can do unite attacks with people in the support slot this time around, which is actually a really it, cool addition.
2: It was it was definitely for its simplicity. It was functional and it worked. Um,
0: yeah, it really works.
2: I mean, at the end of the day, let's face it, I think a lot of us are disappointed that it couldn't extend the way the other games did. But, I mean, I never... Yeah. well, okay, I couldn't fault it for it, to be honest.
1: It, it, yeah, it seems
0: like I like the duels in this game more than I like the ones in the main series, because, you know, they use the same battle system, so you have all the cool abilities you have normally, so it yeah. opens up some options, like using CrotaKill's counter-attack strategies for duels and such.
2: Yeah, that that was awesome, actually. Like... Again, the game tries to do some interesting things And maybe this is why people hate this one so much In a lot of ways It's perhaps too different in its approach To things that should be samey in the series
3: Um, again, I don't think it's
2: perfect but
3: If if I remember right Lou, one of the guys with you at the very beginning Pretends that he didn't go through The whole world-changing thing That everybody else goes through at the beginning And then eventually comes clean about it And he's kind of your strategist Am I remembering this right? Yes.
2: Sounds that is, familiar? That's just correct. I know. Um, that, yeah, you know, that was kind of a weird thing that but they didn't, did. And
3: didn't you meet at least one parallel world, Lou?
2: Yes, because you met one Marika, one Lou. Well, see, I was how they approached it. Um, but the Marika plot was so much more memorable than uh, the Lou one was.
3: Yeah. And I remember when you go to the main center of the, the Order of the One True Way, it you know since I hadn't played the thing at the time that it didn't occur to me but it kind of looks like uh I hate to say it but it's kind of like that that main that big town in ff ten where there's a big divide between the poor outskirts and the the rich interior I'm probably getting my references wrong here but
0: uh, like, okay. talking about twelve maybe
3: okay. see all I kind can of, I'm just getting scattered images because it's been over five years, and I remember liking the game at the time, but it—I have never gone back to it. Probably should at this point. So all I can remember is just finding the, the structure of a town that has, which is like very many towns in real life actually, with a huge mass of poor people on the outskirts and a, a rich.
0: Yeah, I think interior. that's the, can I, can I, the capital city.
3: Well, yeah, again, that's why I want to say it's the headquarters of the One True Way.
2: Well, and you know, this game does have some references to the other ones. I mean, they're a little bit more hidden in this case. Um, the fog ship actually, from 4, totally makes an appearance in this game. Um, the dragon rune also makes an appearance, but again, um, you know, you also get the reoccurring characters of, of Vic, Vicky and Uber and, and Pezzamagria possibly being from these worlds. Yeah, I
0: I think that's I think he's possible, but I've got my own theories on that. That this game introduces characters similar to them who operate on different principles. I guess.
2: Well, they they do hint for Huber and Pazimagria, depending on. If there's an area in the yeah Pesimegria. Um I never have said his name right. I called him dude with the ugly helmet <laughs> most of the time. Um, but they there are there are implied dialogue for their existence of supposedly being in from another world. Um, look at that but again, it, is it enough like that fans have taken so it to the extreme? Probably. <laughs> but yes. Vicky, absolutely. like, No question. And Jean, probably, too. Um, you could definitely justify them. Because well, Jean, we just don't have a freaking clue about anything related <laughs> to her.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, the thing about this is, in this game, there's some really interesting characters who... Most of the people you meet are people who... It, it, it's who, you know, are chosen... Power of the Stars to upon touching the Chronicles game the memory that oh hey the world was different before but there's some characters who not only have they've always known the worlds are different they're in fact apparently come from other worlds in which they've fought the same battle you have fought before and these characters are kind of interesting because well, they're more or less implied to be the incarnations of the hundred and eight stars themselves, because you know this game actually tells you what the hundred and eight stars are they're basically hundred and eight different gods who rule over the the, the one hundred and eight different paths the worlds can follow on Is how they're described in this one. so each person's chosen by the stars is basically wants kind of a vestal for the power of one of these gods and some of these characters, like the person who gives you the tablets, they kind of almost presented as an actual incarn- physical incarnation of one of those gods who show up yep. and I think there's a lot of characters that could be seen as, you know, maybe some characters in the previous series are one of these figures. It makes sense for some.
2: Well, oh, the lady who gives you the tablet, she's a nasty piece of work.
1: <laughs> like,
2: she gets so mad at you every time you come to visit her. She's like, you know, you could be doing better things, but instead you're standing here talking to me, and I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> it... Like, thank you! <laughs> it
0: feels so I don't, I don't remember her at all.
2: She was actually Bald. Interestingly enough,
0: yeah, a bald dark skinned woman.
2: Yeah, to I don't remember her name, unfortunately, but
0: yeah, it's been a I don't long probably I just... wouldn't help me at this point.
2: <laughs> it's okay. I'm just you know, I get sad that people poo poo on this particular thing <laughs> because you know what? I get it's not sweet code in six but that's no excuse to take a big dump on it, considering it does present some interesting possibilities
0: Yeah, it's a great game, I mean, it does more for stars than any other Switching game ever did it does, Absolutely It does more to expand the real possibilities for the series than any of the previous ones did Way better than 4 and 5 in that regard
2: Oh my god, yes um, 4 and 5 were kind of the awkward children <laughs> You know, well, they t- have t- Tactics did
3: some useful stuff too <laughs>
2: Well, Tactics gave, or gave us fish people.
3: Most of which we killed.
2: Oh, Edgar, I'm so sorry you died. Also, Kika finally got development, just in the wrong game. <laughs> oh, that woman was so hot and so neglect. <laughs> what is wrong with the series?
3: Kika was good in
2: Tactics. I liked her. She was one of the best characters in Tactics. <laughs> But we're not talking about Tactics, we're talking about terror cries. And you know what? I love this game. I totally think people should go play it. Um, yeah, the sound is game. actually not very good on this one, but that's because it's a DS game more than anything else. I've, um, you I've you know listened
3: to the music outside of the game, just with uh, the recordings elsewhere. It's a lot of really good tunes. I think there's a lot yeah, the of music. Is
2: great in this game. And but yeah, the,
3: a... those DS speakers generally don't do justice to...
0: Headphones help a lot in terms of hearing the they music do. much better, but...
2: But that's what I mean, like this is this is a game that because it's on a handheld, the sound department suffers so bad on this one. Because the voice acting all the voice acting is crammed in there. The protagonist sounds like he's talking a mile a minute, and everyone And it's like okay.
0: Yeah, it's I think they more or less just sped up the hit main character's dialogue to make it I shorter because he has so many lines.
2: I honestly think they just shouldn't have included it. This this would have been better without it, truthfully.
0: Well, I don't say that.
2: In, but I, I say that only because considering when you have voice dialogue in this game, other than the cutscenes which it comes across beautifully, in other scenes it's really awkward just to have that sped up dialogue. And the protagonist has it, some of the other characters have moments of it, and to me I'm just like, you know what? I'd rather just have the voices in the cutscenes, that's it. Because hearing mm, is just weird. <laughs> it's Yeah, weird. I
3: remember it. I remember the main, the lead, just having that a uh, big problem, and that's probably why I don't remember him too fondly. Because I remember a motor mouth syndrome. For Dragon Air go to usaairlines.com or on call one eight hundred two 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 one eight one one. Yeah, you like that? That's that's pretty much how he talks the whole mo- game.
0: As a, I really think that's something made for the fact that they, they didn't have a lot of room for storing things, so they just sped it up, so they took less time, so they didn't have much time to reco- didn't need to record? Pretty much.
1: much sounds right. It's a yeah,
3: if if I went back to it now, I'd probably remember a whole lot more now that I would be thinking about all the ways it connects with the rest of the sweet coding games, which I hadn't played at the time
2: and but now you have
3: I have thank you Sam
2: you're welcome. I was your drug dealer
3: you were you got me hooked and now now I'm, now I'm like everybody else who's wondering when's Konami going to give us another fix Oh right, it's not because it's not worth it. Konami's not making any money on it anymore
2: emo face.
0: Yeah, it's really just like, curse you, Konami. We want
2: more soy in it.
3: Oh yes, the graphics of Tear Crisis. I remember not finding them abhorrent at the time, but that's... I apparently have a really high tolerance for 3D DS visuals.
0: Yeah, they're they're 3D DS graphics. They're okay.
2: I I was indifferent. They didn't bug me, but they weren't, like, beautiful. I mean...
0: It's certainly an interesting game because like, it's the only fighting game where they do stuff like have uh, actually 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 buy weapons, so they just upgrade your existing ones. And they have all different models, so you can just fight different ways, and different different arsenals and such. Which is something they don't do in the two D ones because you know it's impossible to sprites. So they're doing this one. Hard to say whether it's just being more generic or being more interesting, but just different, I suppose.
2: Again, for me, that didn't bug me in the slightest.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, interesting enough.
2: So like I said, I think all the things that people wanted or expected from this game, like that's ultimately, I think, what hindered their enjoyment. Whereas, I think if you go in this game with the logic of yes, it's different, no, it's not the main series, and, and you go in that willingly and you understand that, I think you can get enjoyment from it. I think if you automatically go with the assumption of, oh, this is not Speedcode Code in 6, well then, of course you're not going to freaking enjoy it, because it's not what you wanted. Yeah, and I think that's but- unfair
0: there's also a certain problem that I think there's a lot of misinformation about this game going around when it's first being uh, not quite released yet it's a lot of interesting stuff told about it which turned out to not be true because of mistranslations or misinformation or what have you that kind of messed with people a little bit but because it not only is it not quite previously like, previous switching games it's not even quite what people were told it was going to be but it's still a great thing if it's alright
3: And we can also be thankful that this arrived during that period when a whole bunch of stuff was crossing the ocean for the DS. Yeah, which which is not what will be the case for what is thus far the final word on Sweet (laughs) Coden. Sadly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, this we got we got Endless Frontier during this period. We didn't get Endless Frontier exceed because because thank you, you,
0: Atlas. I wanted that too, but
3: You, you want me to loan you my copy? Like, you'll have to play it in Japanese, but it's better than not playing it at all.
0: I I might take
4: you up on that. I don't know. Okay.
0: Let
3: me know.
4: Um... So, so, it may not be a proper Suikoden as far as the numbering convention goes. However, it is most definitely a Suikoden game as far as the pricing goes. <laughs> You can. I do see a couple of cartridge-only copies that you can get. Uh, you know, around twenty-five to thirty dollars. But if you want this puppy brand new in the shrink wrap, you're forking out somewhere between eighty and a hundred plus. Boy! You want the special edition? That includes the bonus art book, music, and soundtrack CD, and all that other jazz. A hundred and ten plus shipping. Wow!
2: I did not get that version.
4: And uh, wow,
3: I'm, it, I'm gonna. I'm kind of uh, sorry I didn't buy a couple extra copies now.
4: Yeah, yeah, because R- we know what R- serious R- RP R- gamers R- are doing. They're forking out the money right now. If you're serious about gaming, you're doing it. Okay, okay. Uh, added, so. You know, this sounded, uh, this sounded more positive to me overall, just listening to y'all talk about it, you know, than the other one. If you only had $50, and you could only buy one or the other, and assuming that, of course, that you had both systems, which one would you get?
2: Sacrilege, I picked Tear Crisis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually this a tough pick.
0: It's strange thing to say, but
2: to, to me, I just storytelling is always going to be very important to me. And I just found Tear story um I mean, for being a shorter Sweet Coding game and for being unfortunately an easier Sweet Coding game the story and the connections made in it were crystal clear, really well done. Uh, it wasn't fricking slow. <laughs>
0: it also um, you know, has actually some of the best villains. In the series is supposed to work.
2: Yep. yep. I and mean, I think like the, the final battle just... is
0: something epic in this one. It's not just oh, it kind of well nowhere. There's a huge great build-up to it. And it's a really epic really final bad. battle.
2: Like I, I can't fault Teargrace because it's one of those games where it's, it does so much and it tries so hard and it's incredibly genuine in its approach. And it's just, for I me, it's, oh, go ahead. Sorry, sweetie. I just want to say it's vastly underappreciated. It is. It is vastly underappreciated. And to me, uh, I'm going to be the last one I I just felt that other than the few plot points in five that I gave a crap about, five was pretty damn hollow, in terms yeah. of the story department. I think I the, won't what's interesting about five
0: these, as much as that, but
2: for me, it's it's a case of five had obviously the vastly better gameplay over Tear Christ, but Tear Christ's fault is it's on a handheld, and therefore limitations. But Tear Christ wins in the department for other... for characters and story and... and
0: world building?
2: And all oh, the world building was so good. Um, yeah. So for me, truthfully, if I was to spend the money, I'd probably get Tear Christ again, actually. Um, and I'm okay with saying that, because like I said, I'm one of the weirdos who doesn't see how 5 is, like, the greatest coding game since 2. And Two's my favorite, so... I would actually you know Nathan, how you ranked yours earlier? I would totally put Tier Price above four and five yeah. and tactics oh. <laughs> and possibly over and possibly over one. <laughs> yeah, I usually put I tier Christ one. over one.
0: One is you know, one was a great game at the time, but I'm not sure if it's aged well at all compared to other games in the series. So just,
1: I don't you know, think
2: it has. <laughs> it's just three had some really great story and you know and lead up to it. Um I'm again, like I said before, I'm not as huge on Three's battle system as you are, but I still really liked it, and I think it's a game up. two is one of my all-time favorite games just because I was emotionally invested from start to finish. Yeah. And if I'm emotionally invested, that's a sign that it's a game I'll likely play again, and I will give a crap about. Tear Crisis is one I'd actually would like to go back and replay just to see if I I would love it as much as I did the first time because these are the two games. I haven't replayed Iteris, so I have replayed all of the other ones. Uh, tactics doesn't really count in my head. <laughs> um, <laughs> no tactics, I guess. Uh, but, you know, I actually attempted to replay four. I think I got, like, halfway into a second playthrough. Um, I just, when it comes to Sweet code and, um Tear Christ just does not get enough love. And I think it's a shame because I think people are missing out and going just into it with the wrong conceptions.
0: Yeah, it's a very different game, but it's also a very good one. Mm-hmm. It's probably I'm a, one of my favorite RPGs on DS, actually.
2: <laughs> oh my god, we agreed on something.
0: Kind <laughs> <laughs> of rare for us, I think.
2: It is very rare for you and I to agree on something. So the fact that this one here, you and I were just like, yay, we loved it. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so this is a good thing. Um, but I, like I said, I would spend the money on Christ. No questions asked. But as overall, that was the game I had a better time with. I, I sunk hours into it. I was always compelled to pick it up. Five, I always had those moments where like, oh, it's so boring, come on, move along. And I hate when I see the game. I hate when I say that a game in a series I like is boring. I hate it. Because then I feel like I'm being blasphemous.
0: Yeah, it's like my Fosse 12. <laughs>
2: but, you know, it is what it is. This this is a good sweet coding game, and you know what? If you're willing to give it another go with the logic of it's not speedcoding 6, I think you can find enjoyment in it. So there you go, Phil. I would spend $50 again.
3: Yeah. Wait, I, didn't you only pay 40 at the time it was released? I only
2: paid 40 but you know, if I was told I had to pay 50 I would have paid 50 I At yeah. the end of the day, this is an auto-buy series for me. You know how some people always <laughs> automatically buy a Final Fantasy? I was the Sweet Coden kid, because I didn't give two craps about Final Fantasy, and I still don't. But Sweet Coden? Oh, the amount of craps I give. It's many. <laughs>
3: that <laughs> Okay, we've got a new metric: how many craps you give.
2: No, that, that system's come back. It's been revived, but you know we don't really want it to come back. Um, it's just you know everybody has a series that they can look at really fondly, and this one is mine in a lot of cases um, because I have some of the best memories of, of this series. Um, you know, I also ran a sweet code uh, role playing blog for years, so you know I was probably a psycho super fan. I admitted it. I actually have sweet and dojinshi and action figures. Um, you know, I have lots of merchandise related to the series, and I'm okay with it. It's one of the few things I'm a super fan of for video games. I just know my book. Felt I'm, I'm not going
3: I've never gone that far myself, but
4: well, I think I think y'all have heard of her first. Nathan and Sam agree. Go out and buy tiramisu. Well, I'm proud of people finding anything. Really, but to enjoy the like, game. Go buy
2: whatever you want.
4: No, go buy <laughs> this game now. Or you're not cool. Do it. And while you are, we're going to take another break and we'll be right back to wrap this one up with the final laugh final apple part of the show where we uh, just do the kitchen sink stuff. Read your comments and all kinds of other stuff. And and speaking of the kitchen sink, uh, Mr. Mickey, I understand there's uh, something that got caught in the sink tonight that looks an uh, awful lot like a Suikoden Engage.
3: Yeah, it's called... What is the freaking translation? It's more like
2: tree.
3: Yes. Which, you know, it, it is... Another spin-off Suikoden game It's on the PSP Konami brought it out In 2012 In Japan And your PSP's Are region free So you can of course Import that But Konami By all the signs Available to Astrology And any other means Of reading the tea leaves Is not going to Give you an English Translation Because hmm. Well probably because It's a PSP game Released in 2012 And Konami's Bottom line Stopped being profited by that sort of thing many years earlier. That's just my guess. Of course, aside from Trails in the Sky, what big stuff did come out on the PSP in 2012?
2: Um, Emo Face. That's um, my I I
3: imported
0: a game. Did yeah. it have
2: a robot in it, Nathan, or did it have uh, all the robots? Yes.
0: yes, it had a robot.
2: <laughs> oh, I'm so smart. <laughs>
3: So, uh, yeah, uh, there isn't a whole lot of information about this one yet. Although, they're, knowing the avidness of the Sikoden fan base, I'm sure a fan translation is, if not complete, very close to it. And if you are willing to indulge in those not quite entirely legal ways of making it play for you, then you can probably experience it, it yourself. And uh, let's see here. I have to refresh my memory because most of what I saw about this was courtesy of a GameFAQs forum, and we all know how reliable GameFAQs forumers are. <laughs> but I seem to recall it not getting the greatest of receptions, and it didn't sell very well in Japan, which is not
1: I'm a good surprising.
3: Well, this is Japan, where the PSP is still going strong, even though, well, we've got... Uh, Again, Legend it's not Heroes Speed code 6,
2: though, my dear. It's not Speed code 6, no wonder the sales were lackluster. If that had said Speed code in 6 on it, you betcha those fans would have went mental, and then more Yahweh would have came out of it. So, you know, that's what we care about.
3: Yeah, let's see here. We've got a two-year-old topic thread on GameFAQs that begins with,
2: WHY?!
3: And the next post is money. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> that's about right.
2: So, in other words, let's be sad it's not here, but maybe we should be relieved? maybe? I don't know. In any I, case.
3: Actually, I will probably import it someday and find out. It'll no, be no, an,
2: you, you need be... to get a PSP first.
3: Yeah, well, you know what? Mac said he might be willing to loan me one. Oh, dear god. And then I can play Grow one. <laughs> and four. Oh, anyway. Dear
2: god. Well, you know, you know Max has an
3: oversupply
0: of PSPs, right?
2: I'm surprised PSPs are still expensive to buy.
0: Yeah, I got one. I thought it'd be cheap, but it's so expensive then. It was like
4: a year before it died in the U.S.
0: Couldn't tell you why.
3: I just know that. I the can tell you
4: why. Out. Don't you Uh-oh. remember? Don't you remember where I went on and on like a few podcasts ago about how awesome the PSP is as an RPG machine? Well, guess what? Prices went up with the demand because they all listened. <laughs>
2: well, there are some. You did
3: it, Phil. You are responsible for the price.
4: Single-handedly. <laughs>
2: There's some cheap ones on eBay. You know, if you're willing to pay between thirty and forty bucks, so it's an option.
4: That's
3: true.
2: Anyway, and that until, wouldn't be a bad price for that little machine.
3: Until I have that machine, I can't talk much about and Centennial Tapestry either, except to say that it's there and we didn't get it.
2: Thank you for making my life feel so disappointing.
3: Honestly, Sam, how can I be any more disappointing than Konami at this point?
4: stupid konami so uh let's read uh let's read a few comments because we got a few comments on our last show about shepherd or something and uh shaman says uh you guys mentioned you were doing mass effect a couple of months ago and i have to confess that i had a similar experience to phil's experience with the mako built like a bistro handles like a steakhouse <laughs> 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 but I pressed on a bit, got past the first part of a mind sequence so that I could get Liera to hang out with my Lady Shepherd, and then I hit an unwinnable sequence where I would face ten or so enemies, get my guns biotics disabled in the first shot, and by the time I recovered, I was on half health and the rest of my squad was dead. Repeat for two hours, and this was on easy. If I had to call if I had called it before this episode, it would have been two minutes of Amprestan. It's a shame because I was getting into the story and actually somewhat enjoying it, but one sequence soured me on the entire trilogy. Wow! And and I wrote on there, I'm, I was really glad he he wrote that because yeah, sometimes when I'm playing these games, and some of these games where I'm just getting my butt kicked over and over again, sometimes I, I you know you start questioning your manhood. You know, you start questioning, am I still an RP gamer at heart? Can I, I I can't even beat this early encounter this RPG and I've done it two hours straight and I came back to it three days later and I still suck. Is is it me or is it the game? So it's make, nice. We need to like, yeah, we need to form like a, a uh, Gamers you know, I Anonymous.
0: For, I can't wait for you to hit... Titan Hard Mode
4: and Posse 14, as you keep playing forward on that. Well, yeah, a little secret about, about MMOs is I rarely uh, press on. Once I get to max level, I usually uh, uh, I usually start playing alts, or in this case, alt classes, because I, I hate that. Uh, I hate the grind, and I usually hate the super hard environment that tends to bring out the worst in people, so... Not um, always. Sure 14's been nice still. so far. Hey, you guys you guys might change me at 14. It's, it's been a very nice environment. Uh, we'll, maybe we'll I'll talk a little it. bit about that in a minute, but uh, let's see here. Um, Von Beardley says he never got around beating Mass Effect. The Mako drove him crazy with the controls, and the combat seemed kind of stale. Can't say much about the story because he didn't get too far into it. But then he did enjoy Mass Effect 2, and he loved the multiplayer Mass Effect 3. So see, that whole that whole we had... We was briefly... I find it
3: interesting that he...
4: He liked the, uh, the, the later ones. The whole point ones? of playing
3: the trilogy, right, is that oh. you carry everything over from the first one, which is somewhat deflated if you never beat the first one, right?
4: Uh, yeah, yeah. You kind of feel like you might miss something. It, it is funny that that you know we talk uh, a lot of RP right, gamers.
1: Sam?
4: Mm-hmm. A lot of RP gamers actually good. didn't like two and three as much, um, and uh, or especially two. And uh,
2: hmm. oh, if you talk to my soon-to-be husband, he hates mm-hmm. Mass Effect 2 with a passion. Oh, ouch. Two
4: is okay. I mean, I don't know, I'm not really in love with the series as a
2: whole. I've
4: never really bothered playing 3,
1: so.
2: I have a lot of indifference to 2, so...
4: It seems like uh, Ombrace liked our version of Row Row the Boat. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: um he enjoyed the uh he, Victor says that he enjoyed our plot summary uh because Given that he's on un, he's unlikely. not
3: likely to ever play it.
4: Yeah, see that's why we do it. We spoil it. We we you you actually now Victor, I give you permission to go out and say you've played and beat the game and know the story vicariously through us, of course. So yeah. Uh, he says he thought my previous avatar image looked better, which I switched to a Dragon Warrior II, um picture. Which what was, what's that guy's name who draws the Dragon Warrior artwork? The same guy who does Dragon Ball Z.
2: Toriyama.
4: Yeah, and uh, like he doesn't like eighty percent of his characters look angry. So that's he said. Well, Boy, at your least your, looks angry. your current character
3: is wearing a hat, which means that he does not have the trademark Toriyama spiky hair.
4: It's, yeah, it's all squished underneath of that hat. So, actually, I want I I want to say that we all know that he really does have huge spiky hair, as all those guys' characters do. So that hat clearly must be an, uh, like a bag of holding with extra dimensional space on the inside. Uh, let's see here. You you want to summarize what Smack said?
3: Well, Smack says that for him, the first Mass Effect was the best in the series, and that he found especially the second one quite lacking which would seem to put him on the same page as Sam and Scott he played an infiltrator and finished on insanity in retrospect wishes that he'd played a femme chef but c'est la guerre at this point he doesn't recall any of the major decisions anymore probably because that is going back about seven years now but he remembers killing off Ashley instead of Kaiden because he's never had a good interaction in real life with any girl named Ashley so if she had been named something different she'd have lived this, is, this was vengeance for all the women He's known named Ashley Who sucked And you know what? I've heard of worse reasons to kill a character <laughs> uh, He romanced Tali And the other two doesn't remember who he romanced In the first one Might have romanced Liara And uh, apparently in his st- opinion This one has the worst DLC of all three Neither of them worth the money
2: They really aren't worth the money
4: hmm. uh... Electronic
3: Arts Thanks you for giving out money though
4: you may staying is looking forward to joining us for Mass Effect 2. Couldn't make it on this one because a family. As always so, he's welcome to record his thoughts and send it in like you can, somehow. Record as an MP3, email it to me. Or if you'd rather uh, leave a voice message, I'll read the number at some point. I do have a number where you can leave a voicemail. And... Let's see,
3: Gallion 80 said yep. but playing Mass Effect 1 I just couldn't help but think you know, if only replace Commander Shepard with Spike of Cowboy Bebop. This would be a lot more interesting.
0: <laughs> well, you know, you could replace a lot of Shepard with a lot of characters to be more more interesting game. So, not a bad choice, though.
3: Yeah, Spike, interesting fit, but from what I've seen of the Mass Effect footage, I don't think the Cowboy Bebop gang would have worked very well on a more high tech ship.
4: <laughs> no Name says that he actually liked the Mako. He remember running it off the bridge like a thousand times. But uh, other than that, it was like an awesome exploration and mining tool. Felt like old school Starflight. Uh, so, in fact, um, updated Starflight. You got to shoot cows, or something. anyways, he said. Uh, once he got through Mass Effect Two, he didn't even try Three because you know Mako wasn't there apparently. Apparently, if
3: you get to shoot cows, that is enough for No Name. In fact, that is everything he needs.
4: Uh, Techside says That he was super excited that, uh, That Mass Effect Has voice acting for the main Protagonist like he's actually talking Through the whole thing which I personally Enjoy and we had a little bit of a going back and Forth with some of our other forum members about Whether or not that's super awesome I like, I like it when my protagonist talks. The whole quiet protagonist thing got old to me after the first couple of RPGs I played with it. So
3: I think I smell an editorial somewhere in there. I do.
4: I, yeah, that would be really good editorial for somebody to write. Or perhaps a topic for the Active Topical Banter Podcast.
2: I'll keep that in mind.
4: Ha-ha! And you can listen to that as well as RPG Cast, as well as our mini RPG Backtrack Backlogged podcast over at I have at a rpgamer. friend who has actually com.
3: been going through these. He's, yeah, He goes through them in spurts. He just went through the one where we talked about Fantasy Star all that time ago. Remember, Sam? Oh, God. <laughs> nice. that, that, that really does feel like a long time ago.
2: Because it was. It's
3: only four years, though. That isn't all that much in the grand scheme of things.
4: But, yeah. So... <laughs> Um, so, yeah, got a lot of good comments. You, too, can leave your, your comments over at board.rpgamer.com. Sign up. Let us know what you think. Or you can shoot me off an email, jcservant at cyberlightcomics.com. Or, what is it, albertodyssey at hotmail.com, right?
3: That's still it.
4: All right. So you can feel free to sh- I, You know, actually, I, I usually, I probably get a message almost every couple of months. Someone's listening through the back uh uh the just the backlog of backtracks. So yeah, we got them all <laughs> up on there, one through 123 now, and we're quickly coming upon number 125, where we get to change the intro music again, like we try to do every 25 episodes. So um, I picked
3: a good one.
4: Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. It's exciting. I can't wait. Uh, but before that, we do have to knock out RPG Backtrack number 124 Mapping the World Tree, where we will be talking about a lot of Etrian Odyssey games You don't want to miss out on that, we're recording that next week, and uh, we'll see when it goes up I think Nathan's going to have
3: a lot to say on that show You
0: know, it's Etrian Odyssey, that series is something else
4: Yeah, we're going to be spending, what, at least four or five hours talking about the plots I mean, holy cow <laughs> Shoot! Uh, holy, holy, holy cow. All right, so it, let's... Uh, what, what's that, Mike? Oh
3: uh, Well, we know that the, the snappy inter-character banter of the Etrian Odyssey games is the selling point of the series.
4: All I want to tell you guys is those of you who think that a silent protagonist in the party is such a cool and awesome mechanic, well, what if, what if, hear me out here, what if the entire party was silent? Wouldn't that just blow your mind? Well, guess what? Etrian Odyssey does that for you. <laughs> At least the older ones do. I, I heard that the newer ones have like a storyline or something.
3: Only the newest
1: one.
4: Newest one, okay. Um, Alright, so let's do a round table. This is where uh, you guys get to say what's on your mind, what you're playing, what you're writing for Gamer. what's going on. And we'll do ladies first with uh, Miss Marshmallow.
2: Oh, you're so sweet. You know how sleepy I am. Indeed.
4: Also, so take it away. What's up? So,
2: not much. I'm planning a wedding. Yay wedding! I'm marrying the Scott Walker guy. We may or may not be changing our last name to McCool, uh, McAwesome. Sorry, Um, I told him no, but he's insisting. This could be really funny. I don't know. Wait, Um, wait, wait. wait, What about
4: paperwork to go through?
2: what, What about what about my
4: idea? Okay, you know, like some people will hyphenate their last name, but that you know, I know you guys want to be a little different. You want to be a little original. What if? What if? Hear me out here. What if you hyphenate? My mispronunciations of your name. So you'd be like Marshmallow Waccomater. That would be so cool.
2: Well, I mean, I hope you realize if you hyphen just even Marcello and Walker, how many letters that would be.
4: It's it would a stupid be, number. It would be even more with my enunciation. ma
2: uh, <laughs> But you know what? He is, um,
4: he is right,
3: Sam. It would be an awful lot of letters.
2: Uh... But you I'm not know what, saying that's
3: a good thing, I'm just saying that he...
2: July has been a pretty quiet month here at RPGamer, I mean, just not really any games to review, not much coming out. Um, I do have a code for Rogue Legacy, but I won't get to start that till probably sometime next week. Um, this one obviously is for PS4, PlayStation platforms, considering it's already been out on PC forever, Um but to be honest, I've, I've honestly been just, if I'm not gaming, I've been reading. And if I've not been doing those two things, I've been really just planning my wedding, which is coming really soon <laughs> on my birthday, which <laughs> is kind nice. of Nice.
4: Yeah, that that's a neat way to work it out. That way he only has to give you one set of presents to knock out two special dates. Nice. Oh, no, he's I already, approve.
2: He's <laughs> already been told by all my lady friends uh, he's got to do double presents.
4: Well, uh, it, it's it's pretty interesting because uh, my wife's birthday is very close to Valentine's Day. So, so. we have to do – we had to kind of try to you know, do it separate too.
3: Wait, but, Phil, um, didn't, didn't you just have an anniversary?
4: Yeah, but that's nowhere near the birthday. Okay.
2: But um, actually the reason Scott picked my birthday as the wedding day is actually my parents were married on the same day, um, you know, 34 years ago. And then I was born as my dad's 7th wedding anniversary present. So it's a very special day and with my dad not being here anymore. Um, we thought it would be also an interesting way to find out his memory. So, tears. But it's all good. We're playing some good video games. Not to be a Debbie Downer. Yes, yeah. I finished, I, finished, I finished Devil Survivor 2 at 92 hours.
4: Holy cow.
2: That took me a long time, but I, I weirdly got into this one After I finally got past the point That I've been stuck at for like ever <laughs> um,
4: That sounds like me with Strange Journey I was thinking about taking another crack about it You know what uh, it.
2: It's weird there are certain SMT games where it's like I can power through them in one go Like and I'm into it Or I get the one where it's like I'm not into it right away And then I put it away for a while And then I come back to them I'm like oh I'm so into it again um, Funny that right Mm-hmm. how that happens. But this that's the one series, for some reason, that always happens with me. It's like it goes one way or the other, and it doesn't really have like an in-between. Um, I finished Always Sometimes Monsters, which uh, Zach Wellhouse reviewed for us uh, last month. Uh, I really enjoyed it, but I totally understood his criticisms with it. I do think it's a game worth playing, though, if you like uh, morality choices and um, just uncomfortable moments. <laughs> like It's a game that will make you very uncomfortable at times. Um, and if you're okay with that, like it, it can be a really interesting experience. Um, which is also the same for the other game I beat, which was Valiant Hearts The Great War, um, which is an Ubisoft title. Uh, it's a graphic adventure about World War I, and it actually teaches you the whole history of World War I. While um, mm. also giving you four character plot lines to care about that are really beautifully written. Um, and there's not a lot of dialogue in this game, so it does a really good job of evoking emotion without a lot of words. So that one definitely, you know, if you like graphic adventures, check it out. You know, if it's on I sale am, or just whenever.
3: I am curious about it since World War One has always been an interest of mine, but I, I don't um, know. I have- played many graphic adventures.
2: I was very very excited because at one point the game actually has you go through uh, the Battle of Vimy Ridge, which is a really important battle for Canadians um, in World War 1. Which one? Uh Vimy Ridge.
3: Okay. I remember it's a, the, it's the second insanely battle important. Of the Prey being the first one that Canadian troops were a part of. But I don't know. No,
2: was this was the is moment. the one that we as a country actually still celebrate as being one of the most important uh, battles related to Canadian history. So um, to actually have that integrated into the story was really cool. And to actually have it as these are the Canadians and you're fighting alongside them. um, It was really kind of sweet in a way. Like I I really did like that a lot um, being Canadian myself and, um, you know, you don't, don't see Canada really integrated into video games too often, and in a very obvious way, either. Um, always Sometimes Monsters had a version of Rob Ford in it, which made me very unhappy. But then again, Always Sometimes Monsters actually takes place in a fake Toronto, so take that for what you will. And then I've just been playing a lot of Persona 2 Innocent Sin, which I think is really stupid on my part because I just finished Devil Survivor boy it sounds like you're glutton for punishment you know uh, what I, i'm okay with it cuz i'm i'm really taking my dear sweet time with this one um because between that and then when i've got to start rogue legacy and i've been playing transistor on and off as well um like i'm just i'm waiting to find the right game to just sink my teeth into so I've just been playing bits and pieces of things after beating all those games like i had a really productive week for beating games last week i'm not going to lie i was like what is this i don't i don't beat games fast so this is weird <laughs> I know the feeling. Um,
4: to get through uh, Devil Survivor, did you have to use a fac?
2: Devil Survivor too. Uh, I did use a fac for some parts because some of the uh, some of the boss fights are pretty questionable. Um, but
3: yes, they are.
2: But to be fair, um, I actually found the final day of the game pretty easy. Once I I've figured out some of the the tricks of the trade for the final boss, like there there's a couple easy ways to make that final boss fight your uh, your bitch, let's put it that way. Hmm. Especially if you have demons that have reflect everything, <laughs> which I did have. I had one demon that reflected everything, and one demon that nulled everything. So they were pretty much invincible, other than to Almighty. <laughs> so. Nice. Like, you don't have that very often, but those those two demons, I I played around a little bit with the uh, the demon-fusing system in that one, and uh, I made, like I said, two very broken demons that I think kind of helped in my favor. <laughs> I think really I helpful. would have... Well, let's face it. So the boss fights in SMT games can be really, really bitchy, and, you know, in the case of Devil Survivor as a series, it's a little bit harder to gauge what's the best approach for a lot of the boss fights, because usually the bosses have a trick to them like some of them for example like just will heal stupid amounts of health back so you always feel like you're only chipping away and chipping away and there are ways to negate stuff like that but you have to really think about how
4: you yeah. like,
2: go about doing that and it does require a lot more thought than
4: yeah it's um, like that in strange journey too
2: strange journey is one I'm kind of afraid to go back to because I left off in each sector yeah <laughs> That's the one where you, you basically need a piece of paper to map, Hmm. which I'm kind of afraid of.
4: trying to think if I got through an E-Sector or not. E-Sector's
2: got... the really huge one with the garden.
4: Uh, I don't the think so, but... Uh,
2: like, that's where I left off. I just,
4: I had beaten, I had beaten that really tough battle with Jack or whatever his name was. Was it Jack? There was like uh, – or the Commander. Anyways, it was one of those really, really tough fights that apparently some people quit on the game on that fight alone. And then uh, and then I was being sent back to the old areas to collect a couple of crappy things for Commander What's-His-Name. So
2: Now I've forgotten what I've done. Yeah. So. Uh, You're probably farther than I am. I don't know, though.
4: Pull it up, yeah.
2: But you know what? Um I liked all three of the games I played. Like, I would recommend all of them. I think they were all really great. Especially Valiant Hearts. Like, if, you know, in your case, James, you probably actually have a PC that could play it. Like, it's... But you'd have to... You'd have to take a look at your specs, but you probably could find a way to play it.
3: As soon as I start trying to play Dragon Age Origins, we'll know what it can handle, I think.
2: Yeah, that's going to be tricky. If not, you're going to have to be asking your uncle very nicely, Can I please borrow your Xbox 360?
3: (laughs) Well, he's mostly playing Xbox one lately,'m <laughs> so sure Call of duty
2: <laughs> I'm sure if you ask him very nicely if it Dragon Age doesn't work on your p c try it on a see if he'll let you use your three six the three sixty because game runs fine on three sixty
3: well i I downloaded the whole ultimate edition, which was about twenty five gigs. Oh God, and <laughs> uh, I don't know yet I, I haven't had time to try and just sit at the computer playing anything for a little while maybe. No, probably not tonight, but tomorrow morning I will try and we'll see what happens.
2: I love that game. Dragon Age is so good.
3: Well, you played through it two and a half times, you told me. That
2: mm-hmm.
0: you,
3: I would like do that for most games that that I think suck. I really need to play that game. It play wonderful. Dragon
2: Age. It's wonderful. I loved it. But I'm going to go to sleep now because I'm dying. But thank you for having me on to chat. And yay, Nathan and I agree on that. That was great. <laughs> That's like my, the most mind blowing thing ever for me tonight. Aside <laughs> of being up stupid early for hospital visits and stuff.
4: This was <laughs> this this was the bonding podcast that that brought east and west together in perfect harmony. Let's All face it, we don't Sitikadin. know. North we don't
2: know South if this will happen actually. again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it totally northens out. That yeah. Good, All right. Good night, Sam. Sleep well. Good night, boys.
1: Alright, well thanks for being
4: on, take care
2: You too, love you all
4: So, uh, how about you Mr. Nathan? What's new with you? I've been deeply addicted to Prophecy 14 You know, I've heard of this game somewhere before (laughs) You know, uh Yeah, sounds like a really fun game (laughs) So what level are you right now? Uh My highest class is 34 I'm bringing up, uh, I decided to bring up Conjurer because uh, Mm -hmm. Conjurer's uh, awesome? Well, yeah, I was running Arcanist and Gladiator and then I just got conjured to like fifteen twenty to uh to so that I can lock the paladin and our um scholar jobs. Mm-hmm. So really there's aside from maybe picking up some extra skills, there wasn't really a ton of reasons for me to level Conjurer, at least so I thought. But then uh but then I noticed that uh I was keeping around an extra set of cloth gear for the Conjurer in case I want to go back and play it. Uh where my Arcanist, you because know, my Arcanist now had level thirty some gear. And I'm like, Oh that, I I hate keeping around mm-hmm. all this extra inventory, so mm-hmm. let me level up my Conjurer so my Conjurer could just use my scholar gear. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm doing right now. I'm like uh, level twenty nine right now, Conjurer. And then I found out uh that when I become level thirty, well the requirement to become the white mage job is level fifteen Arcanist, which of course I already have covered, so I get to do white mage and I get to be one of the iconic classes. Woohoo.
0: So also yeah. there's a good reason to grab stone skin because it's a useful spell for scholars.
4: Um yeah, and I'd say uh I will say, um, Boy, uh, in playing the Arcanist, I've said I said before I, I like the original take. The Arcanist uh, is uh, uh, the way they approach magic is they look at it logically, and they there's a lot of book study. And when they even cast the spells, it looks like they're writing in a book, and with the flourish of the pen, that's where the spell is taking shape. I think it's a really really cool concept after playing you so got, many different wizards. It feels kind did of a fresh. Great
0: job with Arcanist and melding you know a bunch of things that kind of struggled to work well together before in the series, and say worked really well. And the scholars. are really unique, interesting class, which if the first time scholars really got its niche. well, and then 11 had something, but yeah, and that's damn, the really weird.
4: cool thing. Cause you're playing this Arcanist, which for those who don't know, uh, you know, it's akin to, let's say the, the warlock in, in world of Warcraft, you're basically a pet, uh, pet caster. You got a pet mm-hmm. and normally the pet, you know, you'll send it first, send it forth first to grab the aggro, and then you'll put a damage over time spells on the monster and, uh, watch it die somewhat slowly. Um, What's really cool about when you unlock the Scholar uh, job, which is uh, a progression of that Arcanist class... Um, a focus profession type of deal. Um, it becomes a healer, and how does it do that? By switching out your tanking pet with one that runs around and heals people—a fairy that looks an awful lot like the fairy from Zelda. Hey, listen, Navi. <laughs> I keep telling people its name is Navi, but uh, that is so so cool. I mean, there was no such thing as mm-hmm. a healing pet, and, and wow, you had a tanking pet, you had uh, DPS and crowd control pets. You didn't really have this, you know, healing pet idea. So I thought that was a really neat way. You also get an extra, you know, healing. Slash Shield spell, but they I did. think it was a really really neat way to quickly change a DPS class. You know, with just yeah, a few they strokes. Yeah, did a great job
0: with the scholar. In terms yeah, of shifting
4: it over. Yeah, Other it's from it's a DPS class, and now it's a healing it's class. It's a healing Thanks. class, and you don't miss a beat. You know, you don't miss a, you don't miss a beat at all. So uh, I've enjoyed uh, playing those. I've also uh, been tanking a bit as a as a paladin now, since conjure also unlocks the the paladin job, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, to sooner win. later
0: you'll need to, well, sooner later you'll probably want to build a thaumaturge to get swift cast because that's so useful for conjurers and arcanists
4: Yeah, I probably uh, will down the road. Uh, I like the uh, idea of doing a black mage as well. So Shirley's, uh, you now Shirley's got that all covered. She's got white mage and black mage unlocked on her character. Mm-hmm. So she's going around being a little casting lala Fells. We're playing him, him and her lala hmm Very, very important. Yeah. <laughs> be the cutest classic race in the game. They are super cute, (laughs) apparently.
1: They're pint-sized.
4: Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I I don't know how much I've actually talked about on RPG Backtrack as opposed to RPG Cast, but, um, I mean, RPG Cast, we talked about a lot, and apparently um, uh, one of of the RPG Cast listeners was like, wow, you guys keep talking this up on RPG Cast, so I bought the game, joined Leviathan, found a server that you mentioned, and I'd like to join. And I was like, oh, cool, one of our listeners... (laughs) Heard us, uh, heard us gushing over fourteen, and I'll take full credit for that because you know Chris and Anna didn't want to talk a lot about fourteen. <laughs> they felt like they beat the MMO horse with all their eleven talk back in the day.
0: <laughs> so. Well, you know, I really need to try eleven soon. I keep meaning to actually give that one a try, but Oof. it's like you know, first I need to pull myself a fourteen. Second, I need to find a computer that I can reasonably play it on that isn't you know my Mac laptop, which can't
4: doesn't have space for it. But well, and you know, uh, whipping up a. Whipping up, uh, just whipping out an MMO and just saying, "Hey, I'm just gonna knock this guy out." That it's not like you know beating a game, <laughs> from your backlog. <laughs> that's a bit of a commitment.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: But especially a thing that's been like more than a decade of in
0: development and content added, like Eleven has. That that'd be an undertaking. But I imagine that you know, it's like the last great frontier for Final Fantasy for me. So one day I'll get around
1: to it. Yeah. In the meantime,
0: I continue to grind up through the 14 in game and managed to make more than halfway through upgrading to get my Animus relic, which has been an endeavor. (laughs) It's not even the last stage of relic evolution. Yeesh. So, yeah, Falsy 14 is fun. It's also got a couple grindy elements if you want to upgrade your relic and
4: such. But hey, I'm sticking with it. It's fun. Or you can do what Phil does, and when you get to max level, just start playing new classes. Woo! I did it I have four classes at 50 for just
0: combat classes so I'm about as done with it as I will be until I add more classes <laughs> at such a point
4: i be, be in the process hey hey so uh, any uh, uh, anything else on your mind other than Powerful C14 um well
0: other than musing randomly about the anime I've been watching I can't think of much of it would know, be at
4: all interested I don't know sure if that would be <laughs> we let we, we let Mike talk about movies we can let you talk about anime Hmm. the most thing I can think of is that All I Know is Zero is kind
0: of a really cool one of the new season and, from, and it's being simulcasted right now. It's like, I'm really impressed that this is even a TV series. It's got some of the presentation more like a great movie or something. Which I'm really impressed by. And you know, it's a mecha series which you know immediately draws me because I'm you know, a mecha nut. Hmm. Yeah, i right. probably, it's taken me a while actually. I'm probably way behind to actually talk about anime so there's like no context for any of my musings or interests. <laughs> So, well, maybe leave that to be for now and write about it, like, talk about it or write about it at a more later date or something. Talk to me about it sometime.
4: There you go. Um, yeah, because I'm i not exactly an anime person myself. I, I'd love to. I just, uh, I used to watch it way, some of it anyways, way, way, way back in the day. Um, just uh, just not a lot of time. Hmm. Yeah. I, I blame Mike.
3: Yeah, hey, I'm in the same boat, man. I used to watch a lot more anime than I do now. I mean, I did, I'll occasionally watch a movie now, but that's something different. It's not a regular show. Well, I did just buy Millennium Actress. I haven't watched it yet. I'll talk about that sometime. Um, does that mean it's my turn, Phil?
4: Yeah. Uh, this is, I'm done. So. Fair enough. <laughs> well, I put glory. up a
3: couple of reviews very recently. One of them... I don't need to discuss because we just spent quite a bit, quite a long time discussing it. It's for this thing called Spicoden 5. You may have heard of it if you've listened this far in the podcast. <laughs> the other one is for something called Squid's Odyssey. I always thought squid was its own plural, but apparently you can just call it squids anyway. And yes, okay, Squid's Odyssey. Hmm. Now, Phil actually played a little bit of this. I remember him talking with me about it as I started the thing up all those weeks ago. You remember it, too, don't you, Phil?
4: Yes, yeah, Squid Odyssey is awesome.
3: That's not the word I would use, but okay.
4: Now, Phil. Mind-blowingly awesome. Oh, terrific. Tons of fun. Now,
3: before I continue, you, will, uh, you have to tell me why it's to- mind-blowingly awesome, Phil.
4: Well, well, because, you know, you get to fling squid, like you're shooting rubber bands, like they're like little slingshot people, and and, and then they bump into the enemies into each other like a, a bunch of pinpalls, and and that's how they attack and heal each other and stuff. So you have to, like, aim carefully and kind of think where you're going to go, and then there's things like water currents and stuff that will sweep you along. So, you know, you have to pay attention to which way the water currents are going while you're, you know, fighting and playing, and, and yeah, it's just totally original, which means it absolutely has to be totally lots and lots of fun.
1: I'll
3: give you that. It is original. Can't deny it. Um, here's the one thing that I would have really, really liked to see. And Nathan, since, since this is ostensibly a tactical game, you can probably get behind me here. Wouldn't you like to know, have some idea of just where you're going to move before you choose to move in a tactical RPG?
0: Um, yes. The, the RPG. yes.
3: See, the mechanic for this moving the squids is that you, you pull on them with either the circle stick or using the stylus on the touchscreen, you pull on them a little they just kind of scoot forward you pull on them a lot and then wham they go flying somewhere and you you just have to kind of be sure that you're aiming in the right direction wow that's... i've seen this happen i have seen it where i thought i was aiming at the enemy because you know if you bump into them then you do damage and i just missed that's not so great oh but here's the best part there are bottomless pits lots of them so uh, Unless you are willing to scoot very, very carefully in certain spots, you're going to fall down those pits. And you get to restart and restart. <laughs> and then you get to go through load times on a downloadable 3DS game. There are lengthy load times. Why? I have no idea. What is there to load? what? <laughs> um, I like the music. The art style is kind of cute, even though they look nothing like squid. Squid have more than four limbs. I have to tell you, in case you don't know, squid do have more than four tentacles. Uh, I also have to cry out, where are the other cephalopods? Where are the octopi and cuttlefish? What's so special about the squid, huh? There aren't even any giant <laughs> squid. They're all There's a purple squid, which is... I guess if you're into anthropomorphized squid, she's cute. I I really don't want to go any further with that. <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a big yellow squid, and he thumps things, and he makes the vibrations knock things off the sides. And he apparently took lessons from sumo wrestlers because he's wearing what looks like a diaper, what sumo wrestlers usually wear. You know, just what you wanted to see with a big yellow squid, right? Uh, I don't know. It might work better on Wii U. I can't. I haven't played it there, so I can't say. I
4: can. I can tell you that a lot of the issues that that you're bringing up, um, they're not as prevalent in the iPad version, where you know the tactile. You're dealing with a larger screen, so it's a little bit easier to figure out where you're aiming exactly, and you're dragging your finger again across. A, if you're going to do a full power shot, of course, you can pull back as far as you want, so you got a lot more <clears throat> fidelity and where you're aiming when you're pulling back and and a lot more screen real estate space to look at and evaluate. So I I think it's a um I think you know it made yeah, it that... originally for the iPad. It, it probably and there was no loading. Well, not that I can remember anyways Because it's coming off a of flash drive. I don't I, I don't know. But then again, yeah, three DS oh, oh. download should have been a flash drive too.
3: And in addition to the loading, it crashed on me five times.
4: Wow. Nice. nice yeah. Sounds like a shoddy port job. <laughs> Sounds like a really shoddy, poor job.
3: Maybe that's because it is. I don't know. I uh, I've looked at a few Wii U screenshots, which might be, uh, yeah, they might be the same things as uh, what you're talking about on iOS because, yeah, that that you look, you're able to see what looks like the entire view in one go instead of you know, here I am super zoomed in. I can zoom out, but after I have zoomed out, after I have painstakingly used the D-pad to slowly scroll around and look at everything, then the instant I start to move, I go back to the zoomed-in view. Which, you know, if you're about to do a power slide move, then that's not going to show you all the land you need to see, but too bad.
4: And and, And next thing you know, you end up in a pit.
3: Exactly. And then you get to Thrilled as the game lets you keep whatever you gained from your first run through that map. And try it again, and again, and again, and hopefully you won't hit the spiky things too much, and hopefully you won't – I don't know. I can see how this could have worked a lot better on the platform you're talking about, iOS. It just –
4: Well, and to be be specific, I I would go for an iPad because, I mean, even if I was just playing – assuming there was an iPhone version, I could just see that small screen – you know, with everything all shrunk down and stuff, it's just going to be uh, you know a lot harder to aim. And aiming is such an important part of you know of seeing where you're going to end up. There was probably there was probably once or twice where you know I th- you know I thought that I was doing a short shot and I ended up going a little bit further than I did that resulted in a death. Um, but nothing you know not, it wasn't nearly that that bad. Um, and it kind of felt like sometimes the random mischance you'd have in an RPG, anyways. As long oh, as you smack oh, and, the guy, you hit the guy, usually. And remember how there are these shooter squids, the ones with guns? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, the gun guys.
3: I found that, for me, I, do, I stopped using them, because several times, when I was on a shooter squid, uh, the game would just kind of freeze. It would allow me to restart the stage, but none of my other inputs had any effect.
4: Wow, that, that is pretty darn buggy.
3: Uh, and the touch interface could have used... It's mostly fine, but... Remember the big yellow guy who stomps? A couple of times I was trying to get him to move, and he stomped instead.
1: Mm. That's
3: thats not what I want. I, I want my p- tactical game precision, not kind of fumbling with the controls. So, no, I cannot recommend Squid's Odyssey on 3DS. Maybe it, it, it's entirely possible it works better on some other platform. <laughs> And it is clearly doing well for game bakers, or else it would not have been ported from iOS to Wii U and then to 3DS. Well, ouch.
4: So, yeah, definitely don't play the 3DS version.
3: <laughs> no, it, I gather there's a bunch of extra content, maybe. I, I don't, since I don't own any other version, I can't compare, but there are a lot of what are labeled as bonus missions. And. This apparently goes further than the original iOS release, which this incorporates at least two updates since. But it still ends with a to be continued. So if you're hoping that the riveting plotline involving such wonderful stage names as, you know, I've got the game here. Let's let's see what wonderful names they came up with for their stages. Little big squid. Once upon a time in the sea. Six squids under the wild hunch. The Wet Wild West. Squids of the Caribbean. Shell-shocked. Pr- lonesome Squid Boy. See, with, with puns like that, you know you're in for some solid writing. But you know, there might be somebody who's just so addicted to the tale of these squid facing the evil ooze under the water. And the fact that one of the shooter squids is named Clint and another one is named Cleef and they have a duel. Uh, which is completely anticlimactic, because then Cleef shuts up after he joins you.
4: Yeah, and to, and to clarify, I'm, I'm not exactly endorsing <laughs> uh, the game, with a, especially with a blank check or anything. I will say, on the iOS, what caught my attention is that the mechanics were original, and, and they definitely come off a lot better. um, You know, on an iPad anyways. Um, but as far as did it keep my attention very long? No, nah, it was something that was like, <laughs> oh, cool, this is different. Uh, the battle system is different, it's very tactile It's it's kind of an interesting use of a touch screen You know, way, oh, an interesting way To tie in that into a, you know With RPG mechanics and the such But it wasn't something that was like Ooh, I'm gonna play this instead of 14 <laughs> Yeah No. Fair
3: Fair, fair. enough I, Yeah, if I had an iPad I might have tried it there I'm sure Mac would have gotten a request To review it a long time earlier At any rate, I... Those two games are the ones I've been playing thus far, and I haven't started up anything else for real yet. Although I will probably have some Dragon Age Origins experience under my belt by the time we record again. That leaves me to talk about movies, doesn't it? Everybody loves this part.
1: Movies!
3: Like, I finally watched The House on Sorority Row, an obscure a semi-obscure 80s slasher movie that I was curious about many years ago, and what do you know? It sucks. Like many an 80s slasher movie. Uh... Really, there's there's no point in going into more detail with that. I finally watched Scarface, not the not the Paul Muni one from '32. This is the Al Pacino Scarface, and um, wow, it didn't need to be almost three hours long. Not at all, <laughs> and uh, it it looks pretty. I I really don't see, except for some of Al Pacino's crazy moments why this has the fan base it does and I'll, I'll probably write about it on the forums eventually because i tend to be a little less collected verbally um oh yes and i watched the incredibly weird black moon which begins with some young lady driving away as and she reads meets, meets a roadblock a huge artillery piece and a bunch of women in military combat uniforms have been taken prisoner by a bunch of men in military combat uniforms and are then gunned down and you figure oh the war of the sexes is literal now but that's just that's just throw because she winds up on some crazy farm where naked children like to chase a pig where a woman who might be the daughter of an older woman likes to breastfeed her mother where uh rodents talk where there's a unicorn where <laughs> trust me the director actually went through this and tried to remove everything that could possibly be construed as a standard narrative so we're talking dream logic here and by that standard it's somewhat interesting just don't expect it to make sense because it won't the director went through deliberately made sure it would not make sense um that's enough for now, I think.
4: Your turn, Phil. So I, I've been playing this game. You guys have probably never heard of it before, called Final Fantasy fourteen, and it's so awesome.
3: Yeah, Wait, well, it. What? What fourteen? Yeah, Final. I, Fantasy. I never heard of those
4: first two words, I know, right? And it's like so cool and awesome, and like everyone needs to play it because it's just that cool and you awesome. Play it. Yeah. Okay. Um, hmm.
1: Hmm.
4: Oh, hey, you know, I actually be Final Fantasy five.
1: Yeah. That da, da,
4: da, 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 da. I actually beat a game. <laughs> you, you killed the evil tree. <laughs> is there a tree? Yeah, X Death's the tree. <laughs> X Death's a tree. Yeah, he is. He was kind of creepy. He had lots of little parts to him and stuff, and that was a little that was a little weird. Uh, but um, you know, he it was an evil tree. <laughs> he he died. Oh. He he died quickly. Um, I beat him on the first go, which I was kind of a little surprised. Um, ah, I but.
1: Uh,
3: Did you try and take on either of the optional bosses in the final dungeon?
4: Okay, so all Phil knows is that Phil likes to open up treasure chests. They're cute. <laughs> they usually have goodies inside of them. And 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 there's like this one that that can't be more than two rooms from the big boss. So you figure it's got to be a really cool, you know, in-game weapon to help you out <laughs> in your quest against evil.
1: No, kind of is.
4: somebody sort of stuff somebody <laughs> stuffed a really nasty surprise, and we're not just talking you run of the mill mimic here. Oh, no, 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 no. No, th- this thing wants to eat you for breakfast, and, and it has the power to do and it so. Will. And it will. It'll have you well, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner before you get an <laughs> attack off. Um, yeah.
3: And that's the easier of the more optional boxes.
4: That was, that was, that was just evil. It, like, uh <laughs> it like oh boy he he knocked me for 8000 hit points each my character's had like 2000 it was just crazy so yeah yeah wow. that 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 kind of pissed me off because i it, you know it's actually kind of far into the dungeon so it, it kind of took me by surprise and it made me you know redo about 15 minutes of fighting to get back to where i was at and needless to say i did not open that treasure chest a second time (laughs) just to see if it was a mistake or something no 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 no. your lesson was learned yeah we we learned a lesson um
3: well i remember learning that lesson too but i remember learning it even more vehemently with omega weapon
0: yeah omega first time i fought it's like How do I even damage it? It Absorbs all all my spells, my attacks, all do zero damage, and then it kills me.
3: That sounds about right. Yeah,
0: you know, I love Final Five. I've played through it several times. I've never beaten out of those two.
3: An Omega weapon is just wandering around in a pathway you have to take. So if you're unlucky, if you don't know what's in store, you might think, "Oh, it's just this thing that's wandering around." Well, clearly, I can handle it.
0: I mean, it looks just like some enemies you can fight earlier in the games.
3: Yeah, uh, you can try.
0: Then it'll murder you.
3: <laughs> yeah, t- I had almost every job level maxed by that point, and so I thought I can handle anything. No.
4: Oh, jeez. I'm. Uh, I'm writing. Uh, I'm writing kind of a fill review on it. I'll I'll post that up uh, on my blog and I'll mention it in the, in the forums and stuff. So um, you'll be able to, you know, if you're curious in my detailed thoughts of the game, but yeah, it was really good. I, I feel that it's a, you know, definitely is a good middle game between 4 and 6. I mean, it definitely... And great game. Now we
3: have to address, why didn't we get it until years later?
4: <laughs> uh, Yeah, that's just crazy. Well, you know... Well, the great we... mysteries of our time. Well, was, uh, older times now, but...
3: Maybe in a future episode we can deal with this in greater depth, because Final Fantasy V has quite a bit to talk about.
0: Yeah, I'd love to talk about it a lot. I'll, I'll, hmm. see, I'll see what I can do. I'll,
3: I'll put that on the agenda, yeah. Yeah, see? I got an idea now,
0: yeah. I mean, just speaking of which, like since the last time I was on this podcast, I actually beat my fourth playthrough, The my second one under the four-job fiesta, which was kind of fun. Actually, I think it's actually my fifth playthrough, just the first time I didn't beat the game. First time beating the game.
3: Is that are all of those on g b a or did any of that go on?
0: I play it um okay these days I actually play it mostly on the emulated version mostly because the the one I own the Fallfay Anthology version kind of sucks <laughs> but I don't feel guilt because I own the game, so
3: I would recommend checking out the g b a one just because yeah, there there's some I, nice additional stuff, and you know yeah,
0: I've heard about that i mean I'm not that's really the version I played
3: it. mm-hmm. it's great I'm
0: not really yeah i I understand the translation is awesome. And they, get, really they gave
3: f- you a few extra jobs near the end. Yeah,
0: I don't like how they add them all at the end. The worst place for jobs is after you've already beaten the game. Why put it there?
3: No, it's not after you beat the game. It's be- I don't remember when right now, but it's before you go into the final dungeon.
0: Okay, well, still, it's awfully. It's, that's the best thing about FLC5 compared to many other class-based FLC games. Is it gives you all of the jobs in the first third of the game. It gives you plenty of time to actually use them because it's a fun part of a job. It's actually using it. That's true. I mean that's the big criticism I have for stuff like everything from Fall three to Bravely Default and such. They make you jump through too many hoops to get to the stuff you should be using for very early in the game. Fall five is the best thing at avoiding that. That's why one of the reasons I really like it. Bye. Yeah.
3: Is I, I got nothing it's I'm, it, not a, it's.
0: I'm not going to argue with you there.
4: No, nah, and I think that's one of the really cool things. Uh, uh, you know, that's absolutely the coolest thing about the game is the is the jobs and the way you can combine them and the way you unlock them and max them out and um, you know it's it's just really really cool. Um, and it's really neat how they got individual um, sprites because you got like four slash five uh, PCs throughout the game, mm-hmm. and it's really cool. There's like what 20 classes give or take. And yeah, and it's really neat ne- yeah they've got detailed sprites for each play uh, each character class combination.
0: hmm They've different sp- different they, have, they have special spell ca- unique spell casting animations for each one, which each have different poses for each of how they're casting spells for each class and each character. And that kind of incredible level of detail. It's not like there's there's no amount of copy and pasting whatsoever. in you know?
4: Yeah, I mean there were no shortcuts there. Um so yeah, I'm super excited and stoked that I finally beat a game. Um, <laughs> just for, you know, which I only do like once every two and a half months, especially now that I'm playing fourteen, it's gonna be even harder to come by. I did put a little bit more time in Dragon Warrior 2, got up to my third relic there. Um, so I need to keep plugging away at that and eventually beat that one. My my leveling oh yes, what level I was might be five. I think I was like forty-six-ish, I wanna say. Give or take a level. Um so yeah. Hmm. Um, br- 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 yeah,
3: that one. There's pretty much nothing else but grind. <laughs> uh,
4: so after, um, uh, so after five, yeah, I'll probably go. I'm thinking about going back to Strange Journey because uh, I got to figure out what's my, you know, what's my handheld game that I'm playing while I'm working out. So I might try give Strange Journey another try and try to find a map because well, I stopped at that one dungeon where everything's like all dark and even with an FAQ, I could not figure out where to, you know, where to go next. So I might just do, you know, I might just uh, find a like a, like somewhere where someone's uploaded a map of that dungeon, you know, with an illustration. I might be able to get past it. I just, I, I don't know who 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 whoever thought that dark dungeons where everything's all black. Oh, and by the way, the auto map doesn't auto map the dark dungeon. Go figure. Whoever thought this was a great awesome gameplay mechanic needs to be taken out and shot because it's not. No one, no one's writing to to Atlas and saying, "Man, give us more dungeon crawlers, but make the dungeons completely dark and make it to where we can't map in them." And and, and oh, better yet, why don't you put some rotating pads in the middle so it just totally randomizes our direction? Because that is so much fun. I, I just, I just yeah. can't I'd do it again. I, I've seen some
0: maps from older games like Shin Megami Tensei. If it's like, it's like. Giant complex masses of blackness, so you can't map, map, rotating spinners, and warp tiles all together. It's like, that's just sadistic.
3: You know, Phil, what you described there is vaguely stirring a memory in my subconscious of some other first person thing that we both played on the DS, but I, I can't quite get the name. It's escaping me for some reason. What could that be?
4: Don't even go there. Okay, I won't. So, um... yeah, fourteen to have that. Uh, boy. Hmm. Hmm. Oh well, I think that's it. I think that's a wrap. Nothing else really coming to mind. So, we're gonna do that legalese thing. RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com. Oh, speaking of, that's what I'm. I'm sitting here going back on my. I know I'm forgetting something. No one forgetting something. I did want to say, aside from that very excellently written review of squid's odyssey <laughs> you can find a review of the dungeon dragon star set you can see you can see an impression of sunless sea read an impression of sunless sea uh i got some news about trails in the sky pc version uh we've got a uh retro review on so we could invite that somebody might have mentioned here earlier um, an impression of telepath tactics a review on Atelier Rorona. Uh, plus, I believe it's the plus version. All of that, and tons of tons more, over at RPGamer.com. Plus, our our message our message forums where you can interact with other people who share a passion for this hobby. So, if you want to check it out, go to RPGamer.com and uh, and jump and have some fun with us in fourteen. Now, just kidding. Uh, okay, on the boards, on the farms, whatever. However, you want to play, we're 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 gonna have fun with you. Anyways, RPGamer, yeah, right, right. RPG backtrack. Production of RPG it's late, rpgamer.com, your source for news reviews and home to the best gaming community on the net. Uh, you can write your comments and feedback to JC service at CyberLightcomics.com or leave your comments at board.rpgamer.com. We have a thread that will be put up Just for this show So jump in on the conversation Uh, You can also listen to our other two shows The Active Topical Banter And the RPG Cast As well as our huge library Of RPG Backtrack episodes All at rpgamer.com And the links are there on the left hand side Of the front page Uh, Mr. Minky, Oh hey and leave us some good comments on iTunes Don't leave us bad comments on iTunes Just good ones Mr. Minky.
3: Oh man I, I did a little more research into Sweet and Centennial Tapestry. Apparently, and this is this is a spoiler, but whatever, it comes from GameFAQ, so maybe it's wrong. The final boss is a tree. Uh, again, that's. What a great way to bow this out, isn't
4: it? Indeed.